ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the To A Lifestyle Podcast. I want to greatly appreciate y'all for tuning in for another amazing interview that we had today with some awesome guests. We had Texas Machine Gun Ordinance in the fucking house and telling us about some awesome shit about blowing stuff up and what you can do to actually own explosives yourself and also see them launching a new YouTube channel and how they are going to be blowing shit up so for your viewing pleasure but before we get into that let's start getting to the house rules and start going through it and i want to greatly appreciate y'all for listening wherever you're listening to go ahead and subscribe go ahead and leave us a review wherever you can so that way wherever somebody is looking for new gun related content in a podcast if you leave us a review good reviews we show up at the top of their search also go ahead and check out our social media we are on facebook and instagram on facebook we are the number two a lifestyle and on instagram we are two spelled out that is tw a lifestyle also we have a patreon account if you enjoy what we do please go ahead and support us on our patreon account it is amazing what y'all are doing to help support this show we are past the point of we are paying for the bandwidth of this podcast and everything that we get from now on is going to go straight back to this podcast and to you guys the listeners and our followers on social media we have you know lots of great giveaways on social media we also do a lot of great gear uh, news and reviews in our uh, podcast and everything that we're getting we are putting straight back into the podcast we're going to be doing our own youtube channel here shortly and we're going to be having some awesome fucking content put out on youtube uh, so we are going to be getting the equipment for that and also anything after that we're going to be getting for gear reviews and all of the shit that we purchase with our patreon money that we use for gear reviews we're going to be used in giveaways for you guys for our podcast for our fucking social media so please go ahead and check out and support us uh, if you haven't already on patreon and you can give us just fucking as little as one dollar a month i mean who doesn't have a dollar they can just fucking throw through the ethernet cables uh to to a lifestyle i would greatly appreciate it and in regards to having texas machine gun uh ordinance on our show uh we had a great time if you have anybody that you want to see us interview have on the show talk about all that kind of good shit reach out to us uh, on social media and let us know who you want us to have on our podcast we are going to be having sons of liberty gun works on our podcast for a christmas episode so be looking forward to that uh we're also trying to get hoplite armor in uh lyman bishop great guy we've been texting back and forth we've had some uh recording dates set up but some shit's always getting in the way uh we also have student of the american rifle uh chad coming on uh after the new year so be looking forward to that so and actually uh chad uh uh fucking forward control designs uh roger and also uh Lyman from Hoplite, those were actually uh, listener suggestions, and we reached out to them, and they were willing to get on the show. So, I mean, what y'all do and what y'all say, and we listen to it, and we actually use it into this podcast to better to make it something that y'all want to enjoy. So, uh, fucking just give some feedback, folks. Also, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and just fucking enjoy the show, and I uh, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoy this interview with uh, Sean and Jake from Texas Machine Gun Ordinance. Good luck to my future wives and their future lives without me. You guys will do great. I'm sure that I've prepared you for every guy you'll date and every guy you'll marry. And 
every guy. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into the main segment of our show. I have Sean and Jake from Texas Machine Gun and Ordnance. Uh, if you haven't, check out their social media. Uh, it's pretty cool, some of the shit that they have going on. And if you're any, if you're a red-blooded American, you should love to blow shit up, period. That's why I think people love guns is because things, it's miniature controlled explosions. Uh, and if you make big things go boom, it's just even more fucking America. So, uh, Jake and Sean, tell us a little bit about your, yourselves and your company. Oh, well, we're just, I don't know, people that with nothing else. <laughs> How what the hell would we say? Well, first of all, we preface, I've been up with playing Army since 4 a.m., so I'm kind of zoned out right now um, for it. So Jake will have to, like, smack me if I start rambling for it. But, like, um, for me, just got bored with civilian life after um, doing sales and whatnot. Decided, yeah, what the hell, why not try something different? And so we started Texas Machine Gun and Ordnance. We're a manufacturer, importer, exporter, dealer of literally any firearm, well, any we don't really do anything with Title One, like regular firearms and whatnot. We do mostly with explosives, explosive weapons, less lethal for like law enforcement. So bangs, smoke, CS, things like that. And then um, we're also doing some stuff right now that uh, Jake and I are actually on our way down to my uh, ranch right now to start. We're going to start a new YouTube channel called Ordnance Lab, where basically what we're going to do is Jake's a, an EOD guy, a former Navy EOD guy. And so we're going to be making a whole bunch of different types of weapons. This time we're heading down to the ranch. We got uh, Rescue Randy. We're going to put some body armor on him and then blow him up with a hand grenade and see what happens. Then we're going to recock and do it again with uh, like a World War II helmet. And we're going to go down there, make some uh, Finnish Molotov co- or replicas of Finnish World War II Molotov cocktails and throw those and kind of see how those are employed. And kind of our goal is to have a channel where we're actually doing something neat that's interesting. Because, I mean, I, get, I have horrible ADHD, so I have trouble watching YouTube anyways. I keep wanting to fast forward to, uh, to things blowing up or whatever and whatnot. Our goal is to make something where, hey, we're, we actually show something you can't see elsewhere. And also have a channel with it's about weapons without all the vet bro and, like, bra and squabbling over, like, AR-15 stuff and just all the boring stuff that, you know, for me, I could go on and on for hours about what I can't stand about the gun industry and blah, blah, blah. But for us, we want to kind of focus on doing something original and different where like you can't, you can't go anywhere else and see someone set off a live Claymore, which we're working on or make a world war or correction, a civil war cannon with an explosive um, warhead and the kind of projects that we're working on where it's actually, where it's something, you know, original and different and not just another, like, again, some people are getting to that. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like that we're like looking down on people who just like AR-15s or whatever. Uh, like for me, it's just not what I'm interested in. It doesn't mean that what we're doing is like the most amazing thing ever or whatever. It's just um, kind of what we, we are interested in doing versus what other people are doing. Just our, you know, Jake's kind of like me, likes to blow things up and the regular gun industry is just totally boring um, for it. But again, I want to make sure that doesn't come across is that we're so above it. We're just not interested in that. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Cause I mean like uh, I, Iraq veteran 8888, I mean like I think the big thing that really got him uh, mainstream was the meltdown videos. Uh, and like, that's pretty much, 
I, you know, his most watched, most viewed videos that he has on his YouTube channel. Uh, you know, he's, he, to me, he still has like great, uh, like weekly sit down talks with him and Chad, uh, and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it's just kind of to the point where everybody has their own two cents and their own review channels. So you kind of got to do stuff to set yourself apart. Uh, so yeah. definitely ordinance for us is being, uh, I was talking, uh, I was talking with a lot of folks. Fortunately, um, I have a lot of folks in my reserve unit that are really smart about that. Have really given us a great point. Jake knows a lot about it, but, um, doing it, we're like, Hey, as long as we make like the stuff we do, um, like, our first video is going to be a uh, oil filter suppressors. It all started with like Jake um, being like, Hey, we're, we ordered a bunch of parts off Amazon and a bunch of oil filters. And then <laughs> we're like making suppressors. It normally would get like, Hey, if, if someone at home does that, that that right there could be considered, Hey, you're ordering suppressor stuff. And then Jake was kind of like, Hey, we need to do something with a YouTube video. Jake, you say some more about that. So I've been rambling the whole time. Well, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, I watch a lot of YouTube. Uh, I don't have cable, and I just really don't, you know, I don't, I don't see the, the benefit of buying a cable package, you know, I, you know. And so I spend most of my time watching it. And, you know, I, I love watching documentaries and whatnot. And as I started to watch it, I realized that some of these channels get a significant amount of views for some of the most ridiculous content I've ever seen. Uh, and some of it I rather enjoy. Some of it I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this. But, but so, for example... Uh, I was watching a, a one channel. It's uh, Johnny's Reloading Bench. And it's literally just a guy about reloading because I like watching reloading information because I reload uh, as much as I can. And I just realized his format is so simple. His content is very, very basic, but he gets a lot of views and he gets a lot of donations. And I thought to myself, uh, more, well, rather more recently as uh, when Sean got invited to go help out with Demolition Ranch, you know, that, that particular video got a lot of views. So... Uh, I got a text out of the blue from a friend of mine saying, hey, I saw your buddy on that video. What are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, well, what are you doing to further that? And, it, you know, it's, it's sad that it didn't click on me earlier that I should have we should have done this <laughs> like four years ago, a long time ago after <laughs> the Vice documentary. And I'm like, wait, you're right. You're right. What what am I thinking? Yeah, you're right. So I did some more research and homework. Uh, you know, going over some other channels that I watch and who wants the people who actually disseminate the information as to how to start this. And they go, yeah, yeah, this is 100 percent doable. Uh, the, I mean, the, the significant part of the work comes from editing and, and directing these videos. But I, I, when I was in college, uh, I worked in the university relations in the photo department. So I worked as a photographer on the side. And uh, I've always been in photography for a long time. And a fluffer and gay porn. Right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he was in the Navy. So remember. <laughs> you get, if so, it's not, it's not gay if it's underway. I've always been told. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. So I was like, well, I mean, I'm very familiar with photo editing and whatnot. I had to brush myself up on audio. That's the, actually the, the bigger challenge now. Uh, this whole thing is getting good audio, but we we already have the content. Where a lot of people struggle to find content on the internet, we actually have so much content we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all these ideas, and it's like shit. Uh, How do we prioritize this? You know, so we're, it started out as just a couple ideas, and now into the 30 range of things we can do down the road. I'm like, well, we got to dial it back. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But as I passed this idea to a lot of people, they were quite fascinated with the idea. They're like, oh my god, I want to see this. This is amazing. Um, especially as we're including cats and dogs, which uh, I'm a big fan of animals. I love cats and dogs, and I wanted to be a, like I combine a channel involving exotic weapons, explosions, cats and dogs, 
And I'm like, wow, that really sounds like my total uh, fantasy right there. And people are like, <laughs> yes, I want to see this. Uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, behold, the, the channel came about. Yeah, it's the whole thing is like, again, like I, I'm a self-hating gun nut sometimes. Like I just really hate the, the, what I see is like the pandering of the gun industry of like, you're pandering always to the lowest common denominator. It seems like of yeah, yeah, moron labia, borther kind of thing. And, you know, reaper yes. and just all this stuff. Like it just makes me want to vomit. And I just roll my eyes in a lot of the things where I see, I just see that it's, or at least, and again, I live in my own little world and I don't have the attention span really to pay attention to a lot of stuff, but a lot of the stuff just seems that you're pandering to the lowest common denominator versus being like, hey, here we're bringing the, we're not, I'm, you know, politics and all that stuff aside. It's like, hey, we want to do something interesting, kind of like Mythbusters, but the, sorry, I can't even talk today. I've been talking all day. Uh, kind of like Mythbusters, but with weapons and doing it with ordnance and whatnot and taking out the like, you know, hey, let me pander and say a bunch of moron labia stuff and wear a bunch of nine line vet bro stuff, all that vet bro clothing stuff and whatnot. It just makes me want to, um, <laughs> just drives me nuts. Uh, with it, but taking that part out and being like, hey, let's actually have something where we make a video based on there's there's something interesting going on here because we've done all these things over the years, like making hand grenades, making Molotov cocktails and whatnot for it. And again, we're not like we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're not making something amazing like, you know, I don't know, that Franklin Army Revolution was obviously the most uh, never been done before kind of thing. Um, <laughs> or, and there's but, a reason it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. God, that was, that was, that was so bad. Um, we really, like, we're sitting there doing these things, and it's like, well, we need to do it more than just Facebook, because Facebook is kind of our little launching pad, and uh, we need to expand for um, just reaching folks and being like, for instance, the M203s. Like, we're the biggest M203 civilian uh, distributor in the country with uh, Lewis Machine and Tool. And um, it's funny because we've sold a whole bunch of them because we we try to always – one of the things I hate is pandering and people trying to bullshit me. So we try to be really straight up with people as much as possible. And so we've had folks like we're talking about M203s on Facebook. They're like, well, it's stupid to get an M203. It's like, well, duh. Like, this is the most pointless thing you're ever going to buy. You can't do anything with it. It's conspicuous consumption to be like, I have an M203 grenade launcher. And people are like, why? It's like, because I have an M203. Like, it's self-justified. Because I'm not poor. Yeah. Well, and it's just been like, I have an M203 because you get all these people that want to pretend that they're buying these guns or whatever for some practical reason. And it's like, come on, man. 99% of the guns people buy are because they're cool. And let's be, you know, let's be grownups and engage with each other like grownups and admit that we buy a lot of stuff just because it's cool. Um, so you mean, we'll so you mean they, didn't, they didn't buy that M203 for the boogaloo that's around the corner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When they're going to like fight exactly. and, you know, when they're going to. And, and after about 48 hours, when they run out of their Obamacare medication and die from diabetes um, for it, that's always my favorite one when I listen to that. And I'm like, have you guys thought about the sustainment piece for after you start your little quote unquote boogaloo thing about yeah, it? Like, do you and, and again, I, you know, we're getting off. I guess we're off topic, but like having when you've actually done army stuff and you figure out how hard it is to keep going after you burned up your first bit of ammo it's like it's a little more advanced than like you know me and me and cletus we got some hungry man meals and we're gonna run around with fight the government kind of thing it's just it's amazing whenever you start asking them about what you're gonna do after your first firefight and they're like 
Or in, if you're in an attic in New York, you run out of whiskey. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, that guy, like, he pandered, like, so bad to all these people, and they bought it hook, line, and oh, sinker. Oh, my and I'm God. Like, I know. I'm like, this dude is manipulating y'all, and y'all are eating it up. Like, they love being cucked by these morons. It's amazing. <laughs> Sorry to get you off topic, but, damn, I just had to bring oh. that up. Oh, yeah. No, it is. And whatnot. But back to, like, the 203s. Like, we've... You know, again, we try to be authentic with stuff and not bullshit people about that. Oh, this is some amazing practical thing. No, it's a pointless toy you get because it's a goddamn grenade launcher. Or, but so we've done that, but we're working on right now of uh, opening up stuff. Like for instance, um, ATF they came up with this brilliant idea where they uh, are calling any any ammunition over 50 cal. They're calling explosives because they're actually technically correct. Again, I always try to make sure that I dig in. Just like in the army before, I, I don't believe anything until I read the regulations about it and understand it. So that way that you really can't get bullshitted. But like if you dig into the ATF regs, basically they say everything is explosives unless it's exempted. And the exemption only goes up to, for small arms ammunition, only goes up to 50 cal. So a lot of folks are like, oh my God, black helicopters coming from my 781 chalk rounds or whatever. And when really reality, like, they're not going to go after folks for like having them. What's going to happen is that now um, the chalk rounds are going to be shipped where the uh, the chalk round is separate from the, uh, the 38 Smith & Wesson plank that powers it. So what's going to happen now is folks are going to get it shipped to them just as regular um, ammunition. They'll stick that uh, 38 S&W blank in it, fire it off, and they're ready to go for it. But what we're going to do with that is we're working on finding folks that can help us offer like 40 millimeter ammunition in kit form so that they can um, get that and then make these different types of rounds that right now are controlled as explosives like smoke and pretty much all 40 millimeter rounds right yeah. now are controlled as explosives. But we want to get it where we open up for like that hobbyist. Like I hate tinkering with things. Jake loves chemistry and all that. I have a history degree. Like I obviously do not like tinkering with anything. Or I'd much rather read ATF regulations to do totally illegally, totally illegal stuff, totally legally, and then put it on the internet. Uh, yeah. Like what we do. Well, Jake's much more of a tinkerer. So what we're going to try to do is to take out. I believe the term is scientist. Man. Whatever. Same thing. Um, for it, Jake got his his degree from some university out in West Virginia, where you just learn how to do moonshine or whatever. Uh, I think it's meth now. So, they got they got rid of the yeah. moonshine and brought in the meth. Oh yeah, much more. Well, hey, let me. Jake and I talk about this like we did the math on cooking meth because we if you think about it. We're the perfect cover for a meth lab because we're an explosive <laughs> stuff. You know, like and it's funny to talk with the ATF about it because they laugh. But it's like, no, we really did the math on it. Like we're never going to cook meth because we're not willing to go to jail for it. Like it's not worth the risk. So, um, but it was funny. They like laugh and I'm like, no, seriously, think about it. If you're an explosives company that the ATF watches, obviously, like the DEA is not going to pay attention to you. And like when ATF comes by, like the investigators that, uh, that go about it, like we have a, actually a really good relationship with the local office for it, but they don't know what they're looking at. Like they don't see this stuff every day. They go into mom and pop gun store and look at 4473s, the forms you fill out when you buy guns. So, um, with that like we have to explain to the the guys what we are the, the inspectors what we do and whatnot so it's really funny when we get a new one like we have to get them up to speed about what we do and print off stuff from their like way up high that we got in writing because i was like hey how do i log 
manufacturing hand grenades and take it from us taking raw base materials and making it into explosives and making it into a, a grenade fuse and making it into a grenade and then uh, logging that out once it's uh, expended and whatnot. So it's pretty funny that uh, so far that we've never had any trouble at the Houston level. Like they've all been really professional with us and we try to make sure that we're like, hey, look, well, I'm more than happy. I will bend over backwards to play nice instead of playing bureaucratic fuck fuck games. But if we want to play fuck fuck games, like I am Milton Bradley on that. <laughs> nice. So what got you two guys into uh, firearms and explosives in general? Uh, well, uh, for the explosive thing, um, I lived out of the country. I was uh, my, my parents were contractors, so we traveled a lot in Latin America. So, I, I mean, I grew up overseas, basically. Um, and when I, I was living in Mexico at the time, and uh, my dad was the post commander of the, of the Legion there, the American Legion, and there was a library. So he wanted me really big in, into, into electronics, and, you know, I did learn a lot about electronics, but I was more fascinated with chemistry. So I found an old chemistry textbook from God knows when, I think it was like 1965 or something. And it was very, very descriptive. So I, at 13, uh, I was teaching myself college-level chemistry. Um, so within about, oh, I saved up all my, my allowance, and, and I went to a downtown Mexico City where I could buy labware and, and chemicals and whatnot and started synthesizing my own nitric acid, sulfuric acid, and then basically... What started out as simple explosives to full-on production of TNT by 15. <laughs> um, you know, my parents were actually okay with this. They were, you know, they were like, well, he, you know, he's just exploring his, you know, his intellectual side. I mean, I was getting pretty carried away uh, going to. You can, I, I, you can I, always I, make another kid. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had. A, I had a brother, so if, if I went up and smoked, there was always Fred. <laughs> so, hey, hey, he, he's Hispanic. You know that they've got a couple spares lined up. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Was it my father? My parents sold communication towers, and I, I took a uh, using an arc welder, a, a carbon rod. I cut a piece of the tower leg and built a cannon out of that. And I uh, uh, made a powder mill to make my own propellant. Unfortunately, um, I didn't understand the, the basics of, of propellant grain, and basically made a bomb. And to much to the uh, to the hatred of my pets, they never enjoyed the explosions I was constantly <laughs> setting off here. Uh, so. But, uh, I mean, that's where it started. I mean, it was uh, – I was able to basically explore that entire world by myself and never lose my digits, I, you know. Um, and then uh, I attended EOD school in the Navy, which they teach the, the, the use of military equipment. But in reality, the, as far as all across the, the board in the military, they don't really teach you anything about what the explosive is as a, on a, at a chemical level. It's not, the, it's not really important for a, a soldier or sailor or marine to go, oh, yes, I, I understand the molecular structure of this particular explosive because it has no real application in the battlefield. Uh, but I found it more interesting than everybody else around me. So when I got out of the military, I went to college. I was like, yeah, let's study chemistry. I want to know everything about it. Uh, which is really interesting to do at 26. Um, but, you know, from there, I, I studied organic chemistry mainly and learned just about everything uh, about explosives I could, if not. And then from there, I just did my own research. Nice. So, Sean, what about you? What got you into uh, guns and explosives? Yeah, I've just always been like a bit of a gun nut and whatnot. Just, I don't know, that, that ADHD getting bored with stuff and wanting to push boundaries. And so, when I just got bored with uh, 
yeah, just having a sales job and whatnot uh, with it, decided to blow my life savings on something crazy and uh, did that. Like, why not go for something big? And so we went ahead and got the same licenses that Lockheed and Boeing have. And then from there, like, I have very few mark, like, I have no marketable skills except for um, being able to figure <laughs> things out. Like, I literally, like, I literally cannot put an AR-15 together beyond, like, you know, field stripping because, like, I tune out about five minutes into it, like, talking about putting ARs together, gunsmithing. I, re- I like to uh, run this Facebook group, and I- I'm so proud of myself for changing out the sights on my Glock. Like, I consider that – that's about the <laughs> limit of my gunsmithing skills because I really just don't – I just don't care. Not uh, I-, I like shooting guns, but it's just not interesting to me the – technical stuff of it it's fun to go out there and employ them hey go put rounds down range and tactics and small and things like that like i'll talk all day long about small unit tactics and whatnot um and things like that but i won't i just don't care about the technical part of the weapons and but i do love like figuring things out i should have been a lawyer it would have been much more <laughs> profitable probably they're soulless it. but they're but soulless. Yeah, exactly for it and the thing is is that like it's funny whenever you like see like lawyers on on gun forums trying to give bad advice like you're like oof dude like wow like and you went to law school for this right here and you have no idea what you're talking about um or it's just funny but like for me it's fun to figure things out just like we like i taught myself export stuff like all the itar stuff like i just started reading and again like i cannot put together an ar-15 lower because i don't care like i have to pop two adderall and watch youtube for an hour to put together and, I, and i'm literally saying that like i have to watch youtube over and over to get figure out how to put together a lower receiver um for it and for it but if it's like hey how do i figure out how to legally do insert the blank like i can spend hours just reading and reading and digging and digging to figure out how to do it and whatnot so like how do i export guns well i like read forever and ever and ever and made the government like i wrote the government told them to what does this mean? And make it right back to me um, in writing. A lot of the stuff we do, you know, we do some pretty wild stuff. Like we make Molotov cocktails, we make hand grenades and all the stuff whenever like people are like, oh, oh, that's dangerous ATF or they're like the ATF is going to roll you up or whatever. And it's like, well, no, nah, man, I don't go into gray areas and whatnot. I make sure that when it looks a little bit iffy about something, um, I've, write the ATF and make them tell me what the thing is. Like I've written them. People are like, Oh, you shouldn't write the ATF or whatever. It's like, well, no, if I'm going to go into that gray area, I'm going to make them tell me what that bright line is before we cross it. Cause again, I'm not going to go to jail. And like I tell the ATF this, in addition to not cooking meth, um, we also uh, have it like breaking the law is not like any dumbass can break the law. That's not any fun really. There's no challenge in that. Uh, for it. But doing a bunch of otherwise totally illegal stuff, totally legally putting on the internet, like that's kind of fun because there's a challenge in that. And being like, okay, hey, what do you want to make uh, cannon, live cannon rounds we're working on doing or claymores? And how do I, you know, we've got wait for ATF to give us permission or well, sign off on our variants so that we can mark our cannonballs with paint stencils instead of having to engrave them. And Jesus. stuff like that doing it but the whole thing is is doing it where like and not doing it like a like a lot of folks are like, just trolling the atf it's like no we're not trolling them i mean we do granted we do have some some oddball names like we called our oil filter suppressors the eater discreeter 
and uh, <laughs> some other funny stuff like that. But it's not. It's more just. It's my juvenile sense of humor or whatnot. But a lot of the stuff we're doing is like, hey, I want to make sure that we do it legally because then again, that's the. And you always get the guy that's like, oh, fight, I'm going to fight the government and whatnot. And it's like, okay, bro, yeah, sure. Uh, for what we're doing, our whole thing is to do everything we do overtly. And so being like, yeah, let's let's stick it to the man and break the law and then put it on the Internet and go to jail. Like, that's a like, okay, uh, it's not exactly a, a, a success inducing type of uh, path to go down. Well, I imagine, you know, when you guys write the ATF for an opinion, it's not like a lot of these companies that come out with a new shoulder brace and instead of the strap going clockwise, it's going counterclockwise. So they say, ask, you know, they send off a, a opinion letter to the ATF to say, can we have the strap counterclockwise instead of clockwise, you know, instead of some stupid shit like that. I'm sure yeah. a lot of the stuff y'all are doing, it's not like, you know, the umpteen thousand fucking you know, firearm industry companies that are out there are doing a lot of the same shit that y'all do. Like, I mean, I, you know, how many fucking companies are out there like y'all? Honestly, I don't know anything besides defense contractors that can do what we do. Exactly. Or, that means like, and that's not again, it's not because we're like amazing geniuses or whatever and inventing the wheel. We just have that that skill set, like Jake's skill set of making being able to make a grenade from nothing, basically. Well from base chemicals and doing that, like that's just not something you have in outside of, of large defense contractors um, for it. So it's something that, and I always try to make sure with ATF that we have a, that at the, like I don't waste their time and I don't be unprofessional with them. Like I wanted to always be at the worst. They think I have a juvenile sense of humor because I register stuff with stupid names and whatnot. Um, for, but at the end of the day, I want it to be like, look, when it comes down to business, business is business, just like in the military, like we can fuck off and have a great time until it's time to go do stuff. And then, hey, business is business and we're going to take care of it. And so that they know that like, hey, when they get something from me that I'm I'm writing them a specific kind of thing, not just fishing on it or whatever. Just like, hey, I need you to answer these questions right here for it because I've already done my research and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, look, we can be we can be profe- we can be friendly professionals kind of thing is how I like to say it. What is the the coolest shit that y'all dealt with? I mean, because y'all are Texas machine gun ordinance. So, I mean, like y'all just mainly talked about the ordinance part. What's, you know, so far, uh, like what kind of machine guns uh, do y'all work on, you know, build, we don't really whatever. We work on guns much. We have the, like, we don't have a retail store. We only have an online sales. Most of our stuff is law enforcement and defense. Uh, we have a lot of export stuff and things like that. The only things we really sell to the civilian market is LMT products and M203s. Well, LMTs, uh, those products, and then whatever we import and export for people for it. Because again, like the with the AR-15 market, like I don't. It's funny watching all the fanboys like fawn for whatever company they love that actually doesn't assemble anything or that doesn't manufacture anything. They just assemble it from other people's parts and pretend it's their own um, for it. So like we have with LMT. They're a great company that we know we we're like, I'm really proud to be an LMT dealer. We're their biggest M203 distributor. And I can go tell people like why they should buy an LMT kind of thing and, and, and sincerely do it because, Hey, we're dealing with the company itself. And then we do all the M203 things. But um, for us, like with guns, we really don't do anything except for make like guns for our own use internally. We did for a while. We were making retro ARs before anyone else did, and then everyone else started doing it. We were making the what's that 20 gauge Remington 870, uh, yeah. the AOW. 
we had yep. those like six months before Remington did, and the Remington shockwave, came yeah. in the shockwave. Yeah, like it's like the, uh, and it's not because we're some kind of geniuses that can see into the future or whatever. It's not. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to make a an AOW or a PGO 870 20 gauge or a uh, a retro AR. Like we did these things, and then other people moved into it, and it's and that's yeah, that's capitalism how it works for it. So what we've tried to find is our little niche where. There's nothing, it's so hard, the barriers to entry are so high to get into that we are the only people who can, or outside of defense contractors, we're kind of, we want to be. And so there's things like getting a, explosives look easy to get into, and then you start looking at all the fire marshal stuff you got to get into to like store it, and all these things to do, like with the less lethal stuff with the police, that, hey, I, I want to carry bangs. Like, well, carrying bangs means you have to get an explosives license. You have to get a destructive device dealer license. And, oh, great, an explosives license. But you got to store that stuff. Oh, the fire marshal now needs to come inspect it. And you bring ATF into your life. You bring the fire marshal into your life. All these things that are barriers to entry that we figured out. Like, for us, we try to stay in that little niche where uh, we're just, hey, look, we're not going to, like, we don't want to compete with local gun stores just because. They can do it better than us. They can sell Glocks better than us. They can sell AR-15s. They can sell hunting rifles. Because, again, I I tune out when you start talking about various AR-15s. I have an LMT, and works great for me. I've got some other stuff. But I like people squabble about their favorite AR and optics and stuff. They're all, you know, within certain things, barring, you know, certain brands or whatnot, um, where, where it's a bit of the, this is an ungulate of destitution, as I like to call it. Things like that, where you're like, ah, it's a little cheap for me. But like a lot of these things where folks are like, oh, this brand sucks or whatever, not that brand is just as good as um, the other. And I, I can't probably shouldn't say just as good because that gets used way too much, <laughs> but of an equivalent quality, we'll say. So what is the like the coolest bang or the biggest bang y'all have done so far? Oh, man. Blown so much stuff up. Like, when ATF comes for an inspection, they want to know, like, how much explosives you use. We're adding it up. We're like, oh, we're doing 200 something pounds of explosives in a year. Um, and it's going up from there. So, uh, man. We, we've been testing a lot of, uh, we came up with our own proprietary liquid liquid explosive mixture. Uh, so, it, you know, you mix it on site and it blows, uh, and it's a very powerful explosive. Um, nice. Uh, like I mean, fucking uh, Diehard well, well, die hard, uh, 3. Yeah, well, like, like uh, well, well, hang on. The best one was when we were, were accused of being a part of a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the best. <laughs> so we got we got uh, uh, contracted to blow up this beaver dam, right? So you know we go out there to this private pro- property uh, out in East Texas to blow up the beaver dam, and we went through a significant amount of explosives because it was not a small dam. Like it got it was it was pretty good size. I'd say, uh, man, like 40, 40 square meters worth of of of, of of damn, we had to decimate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. And we easily went through a total maybe about like 40 pounds. Or yeah, so, yeah, that's a lot. And, you know, it was loud. It was really, really loud. So later on, you know, like the property manager got, like, was having some disputes with the locals. But then the news got involved, you know, investigating it. Well, they thought locals were chiming in thinking it was a conspiracy, an extension of Jade Helm. And, oh, my God. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, as it were, so, like, uh, so Sean goes on the news to actually address it. People didn't believe him. They go, no, this is definitely a military conspiracy. Yeah. You know, most definitely because of Jade Helm. Yeah. So, here's the, the local Beaumont News, you know, broadcasting it. And then you see all the comments there because I love reading online comments. <laughs> it's on there. It's, yeah, it, it, you know, it, like, 
you know, sometimes it's not even worth watching the video. The comments are just often better than the actual content to provide. Yeah, I got, um, unfortunately, I was late to the party for it because I got my buddy to, uh, to put on there, like, take a picture of me wearing a Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations Command um, uh, patch on my uniform for it and being like, hey, this guy's Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations. He must be part of the conspiracy and get it to be like, oh, my God. It's all part of a scam or whatever for it. Like, I really wanted to troll hard because I love conspiracy theorists. Oh, God. It was great because I decided, well, I'm a troll by nature. I'm going to just troll all of these. So I was going on there and, like, trolling people's accounts. Like, uh, I was like, you, you know too much. We're going to have to deal with this. And people were freaking out over this. And it got so ridiculous that it ended up being nothing but conspiracy. The actual truth of the uh, of us blowing up a beaver dam disappeared in conspiracy nonsense. Yeah, cause, and it was funny because 25th Infantry Division was rolling through uh, Fort Polk for a training thing. So all these helicopters were flying around because they brought them in from Hawaii on a ship. And they had to put them together at the port of Beaumont. So they had to do a test flight for it. But people were like convinced that it was this massive conspiracy, even though Jade Helm didn't exactly go off his plan for it. They no, this is all part of it. So I just like, I just couldn't, I sit there. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm trying to tell these people that the, the obvious truth of this and they don't care. Like it was just, Oh my God, it was great. We took a little break. I just posted on the, the page, you know, that we were doing a, a live recording and uh, asked some my, uh, got, you know, followers and stuff, not what they wanted to ask. And so uh, one person just simply put grenades. So uh, y'all were talking about <laughs> that you're going to be launching your own YouTube channel. And yeah. uh, when, when is that going to be? Uh, when is the launch date on that? We don't have the specific date yet, but Jake's working on some of the video and everything because um, we're. We're working right now. We're actually going to be doing it and uh, offering content in English, German, Spanish, and French. So, nice. uh, yeah, Jake's been working on um, doing getting the English stuff going and whatnot. We've got the first with the, the yeah. oil filter one. So we did the oil filter one because we can immediately shoot it. Um, we had to do some reshoots. The, our note, like I said, one, our big problem is the audio. It's uh, we, like we have we have amazing video uh, set up because we really were recording tons of it. The problem is our audio was lacking we had to reshoot a lot of it because of just abysmal audio um and then it takes a while to do post-production it's actually for every hour of shooting it's it's, it's like four hours of editing i gotta do um and, and uh, i mean i work a full-time job as a uh, forensic investigator, and i'm doing this and on top of that doing that so i'm you know i'm burning the candle at both ends so as soon as i get home i spend about one to two hours of just uh, fixing the uh, fixing the video, tweaking it, getting the, the audio and uh, the music lined up, narrating it, um, and we had to wait for some of the narration equipment because I don't have I didn't have a a, a decent microphone to do it, narrations, but I, I do now. So, uh, but we uh, I, uh, when we get back from the range here, I'll uh, do some final tweaking on the first video, give it to the guys to look at. If they like it, we'll have it up here uh, this December, no problem. Nice. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I want to start my own YouTube channel and that's in the works uh, for me as well, but I'm kind of wanting to have all the equipment ready to get going. So that way I don't have a whole bunch of content saved up that I'm just waiting to, you know, like, like you said, have six hours of work as soon as I get like the next tool for what I'm going to do. So, uh, for well, my own, yeah. my own followers, that's, that's going to be coming. Yeah. Uh, for like the big one was that like, for example, um, like with YouTube, one of the big things you have to submit high definition content. So full HD, so 1080p. So the computer I had when I bought it, it was a gift from my father when I was in college. 
you know, at the time it was cutting edge technology, but then when I realized that I was like, Ooh, yeah, this thing back in 2010 was the thing, but now it's like, it's struggling. So I had to build a new computer from scratch, uh, to, uh, handle 1080p and then eventually 4k because YouTube, I mean, right now 1080p is kind of the standard for everything. But eventually, we're gonna have to move to 4K video editing, which we can shoot. We're not we're not gonna really worry about it too much now because not many people can watch 4K. It's still on the you know it's still brand newish. Everybody's watching 1080p. But as I learned from a channel uh, on YouTube, it was a uh, Linus Tech Tips. Always shoot as high as resolutions you possibly can and worry about it later because you can always go down a resolution. You cannot go up in resolution without a penalty. Exactly. And another question uh, that was asked, and you've got to understand the demented fucks that are out there on the internet. Uh, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? And it seems like a pickle rick question, but that was asked. If I was a hot dog, would I eat myself? Fuck. I'd like recommend that they seek treatment at the local, like you know, kind of clinic. There's there's people that can talk to you about if you have these kind of questions. Yeah, I was. Uh, like, <laughs> if, the VA will help you with these kind of questions. I had some weird conversations at Drill today. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if somebody asked me that question, you know, um, from my personal experience working in both EMS and uh, forensics, I would definitely say that person would need to uh, reevaluate yeah, what they're asking. Yeah, like the people, that's like the person that's like, hey, point a dick at, or point a gun at your dick and take a picture. Like, no, like, that's just retarded. Like, well, we, yeah. if you were in the military, we have all played gay chicken at some point in time, so. Oh, hey, there's no winners in gay chicken for that. No winners for it. Um, you have win you have losers yeah. and the bigger loser. Yeah, but getting back to the question about the grenades. So making grenades, um, ultimately, like everything, a lot of folks they see like, oh my god, grenades illegal. It's like no, grenades are destructive devices. We're a manufacturer of destructive devices. They're destructive devices because they're explosive weapons. We are a manufacturer of explosives, so therefore we can manufacture explosive destructive devices. And so we actually make our own homegrown hand grenades from, uh, we go to the, the gun, we're going to start um, uh, casting our own grenade holes, but we literally go to the uh, GI surplus store and start stocking up on hand grenades. They look at us like, they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, oh, we're making hand grenades. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. It's like, oh, no, we're, we seriously are making them. And then they look at us and it's like, you can call the ATF. That's cool. They already know who we are. Um, tell them we say hi and we'll see them at the next inspection. Uh, kind of thing. So what we do, though, is with them is we you have to like when folks make a firearm, you have to go get it engraved typically for like if, a, well, if you make as a private citizen, if you make your own firearm, you don't need to put a serial number on it. But as a manufacturer, we have to put a serial number on a firearm. Um, typically, that has to be engraved on there. Now, we usually use a laser engraver. We use weapon genetics with uh, Cody Harris with uh, weapon genetics in Cyprus and does an amazing job. Definitely recommend him for um, any gunsmithing needs or engraving needs that y'all have for it. But so we go, most of the stuff we take to Cody, but obviously a hand grenade, we're not going to take over there and do that. And so what I did is I filed for a variance with ATF and requested that, hey, we'd like to have where we can mark our grenades with uh, paint. And so they gave us a variance that says we have to use, quote unquote, military grade paint. I have no idea what that means for military grade paint, but it looks like that the stencil we have uh, works so far. So what we do is whenever we make grenades, is we register them in batches of it. We'll get the um, 
the grenade holes from our um, local GI surplus stores. And then we, uh, Jake will weld them up as complete holes. We paint them. Then we register them as uh, destructive devices with ATF. And then what we do is we, because you transporting live hand grenades, there's no point in doing it. Like we keep a cache of them on hand for like zombie apocalypse use um, or whatnot. But typically we don't assemble them until we get on site or assemble them into a live device. What we do is we register them. Um, I, it was kind of funny. This is where, like, I did the ATF's job for them because we can only manufacture weapons at our licensed location. And before we were assembling the grenades on site and we would never register them because we made it and destroyed it the same day. But I went through the thing and I'm like, oh, crap. Hey, we are manufacturing weapons off site. You're not allowed to do for it. Um and so what I did is I got the variants with ATF. So now we manufacture the destructive device. We make it as a firearm at our licensed location in Houston. And then what we do is we don't make it into a complete functioning grenade until we get down to uh, our facility, uh, George West, where we make it into a complete weapon. And then it's a hand grenade that we use right away. But I don't it at that that point, I'm only manufacturing explosives. I'm not manufacturing a hand grenade, if that makes sense. I think so, a good bit. So any private citizen can honestly purchase a hand grenade. They just have to well, fill out the, the proper forms. And it, like you said earlier, get like the fire marshals, ATF, all that, yeah. all that kind of shit involved. Because um, like you can – I have a an explosive – well, the business has explosive licenses. We have a separate blast – company that uh, has a standalone company that has an explosive license and I have an explosive license as a private citizen for it so I can go buy like transporting explosives as a business is a uh, massive pain in the ass we have some folks that we use to transport whenever we do need to move um, explosives we have folks that we, we contract with to move it for us but um, it's kind of funny that for me as a private citizen as long as I'm staying in the state of Texas and I'm transporting my personal explosives for non-commercial use, I can, I don't have to worry about the 49 CFR, all the federal regulations. Like I can load up my truck with dynamite and drive down the road. As long as I stay in Texas and it's my personal dynamite, I can transport it all I want to for it. But for us as a business, we have to transport it. If we're moving um, commercial explosives for it, we have to follow all of the, um, the DOT regulations, which is a pain in the ass. So what we do is we do our moves very strategically of explosives. Like that's why we don't transport hand grenades um, assembled because it's just so like we can't do it without contracting with external entities to move it for us. And because, um, again, this is where like we definitely make sure we, we follow all the laws and regulations and everything else. And I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, y'all bootlickers for doing that. Because, again, I don't want the DOT to give me a $250,000 fine for um, something I can easily comply with. Um, for it. But so um, well, I hope that kind of explained the hand grenade part uh, with it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. Like I have a, a token hand grenade I transferred to myself uh, for on a Form 4. And because I transferred it, I, I dropped the Form 4 for it. And for those of you all that don't know, the Form 4 is the the paperwork you file for a tax paid transfer of an existing NFA item. So that's what you use for like a suppressor while a form one is what you use as a non-licensee to make a new NFA item. Like if I want to register my desk, uh, 
ungulative destitution lower as a um, SBR, as a private citizen, I would file a Form 1 versus if the ungulative destitution that we registered, if you wanted to get that, we transferred that on a Form 4. So what I did is I made a hand grenade for myself, basically as a, I, what's the Navy called it, freedom of navigation exercise to prove I can. Mm -hmm. And basically to be like, well, I'm going to transfer a token hand grenade to myself for it. So I made the holy hand grenade of Antioch with serial number grenade for Sean and transferred it to myself. Well, I had um, ATF. The only part of ATF we've ever had trouble with has been NFA branch. Like, and it's not the individuals that work there. It's been the management. It's just been unprofessional. And it's like, hey, look, your job is to not, your job is not make law. You just do your job. Like I, for me as a company commander in the army, I don't get to make up regulations. I implement regulations as directed. And like, so they kept coming up with all these stupid excuses for like kicking it back. And it was like, no, this is dumb. Like they wanted me to put my federal explosives license in for the FFL number. And I'm like, well, I don't have an FFL. I can, why, how could I put my explosives license there? It says federal firearms license. And so I kept just kept doing the stupid shit for it. And um, so it finally got to the point where I ended up filing an inspector general complaint against them for being like, hey, this is stupid. And I gave them like all this stuff where I'm like, look, I'm gonna drop an IG complaint and waste everybody's time. Please, please don't make me do this. This is a waste of time and it's stupid. Um, well, they ended up getting the stupidest inspector general complaint ever. And plus I filed an equal opportunity complaint against them because I'm a disabled veteran. So how do we not know that they were playing these games with me because they don't want disabled Americans to have hand grenades for Because uh, how do we know it until there's an investigation to determine whether there's a, um, I'm being discriminated against as a member of a protected class uh, with it? Because the thing is, is that they can ignore your emails and phone calls. They can't ignore inspector general or EO complaints for it. Yes. And so it's like, again, all these people want to talk about moron labia and this and that. It's like, if you want to win against the government, you have to play their games back at them and find out like, how do you take the, they use their position to get an advantage over you. How do you take that, that, advantage they have and then turn it against them and the, the thing is, is you start using things like the ig um, eo things like that where they can't ignore you and someone else calls their boss and is like what the fuck are you doing because like i dropped my ig complaint i think was approved very quickly afterwards and again it was like like my ig complaint like i'm like i'm sorry that i'm wasting your time or dear ig i'm sorry that i'm wasting your time with the stupidest ig complaint ever however comma this is what it is. Yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's there's always, you know, the, the shitty thing about government is there's always could be just one individual that could just fuck with you. And because yeah. of their position, it could be that one fucking wrench in the cog that stops the whole process for you. And yeah. trust me, working in government my entire adult life, I absolutely fucking understand that. Yeah, it's just like in the army where, you know, I get these idiots that, um, you know, I've, I've got, I'm a weekend warrior, but I've got some of the absolute best soldiers I've ever served with in my unit. Like, I am so proud of them. Like, they make things happen. And then just, but I get officers that get on power trips and want to just do stupid shit. It's like, you can't do that. Like, the regulations prevent you from doing that. And, like, it's there to check your little power trips and stupid shit uh, for it. And, yeah, it's just, just, again, like, just 
a lot of people love to, to bitch and moan about, ah, oh, fuck the police and all that stuff um, for it. But it's like, no, there's there's decent people that do stuff and follow the rules. And then there's Yahoo jackasses that like ruin it for everyone else. And it's never, you know, the army, the thing I always tell folks about the, the army is that you can't be in the military and be great. Well, with an exception um, recently for it, that, uh, but, but very, very, it's hard to be a racist in the army because like this uh, last drill weekend, like, or this, the, the today, like I sat there and went to lunch with um, the the chaplain along with the uh, uh, imam that we have in there who's a Muslim, um, a black dude, like all these people that like are your actual friends that you have to work with as as people, not as just like coworkers and whatnot. And you learn that like stereotypes definitely come from somewhere um, in the army. Like you don't get you don't get honky white boys like me calling cadence for it. But it also shows that, like, hey, man, you have to work with all these people from all over the all over the country and the world, and, like, you just can't be racist kind of thing for it um, while doing that. Some of the, one of the best things I like about the Army, and I forget where I was going with this, um, <laughs> somehow I, was, I was got on my little, well, no, it was, like, I pointed out to my soldiers that, man, in the, in the world, you get these people squabbling about stupid shit, that, like, they hate their fellow Americans, they don't even know. They live, we live in these little bubbles of social media and like you come to the army and even though it's all the stupid shit we have to do at the end of the day, like a bunch of people who don't look like you or think like you, like you have to work with them and get along with them, um, no matter their politics or religion or anything else. Like that's pretty cool. And I always try to remind my soldiers of that, that like, that's just, so that's the best part of America where you get people getting along that putting your differences aside and like, Hey, we've got a priority here to do, um, to do the mission. And I've always, that's one of my favorite things about the army. One of my best things about being a commander is because you can go out there and find like, Hey, how do you get all these people to work together and actually be part of a team instead of just hating life because people don't want to plan and shit. Absolutely. And just my little, uh, my little fucking experience dealing with IG complaints was, uh, when I got my commission, it was nearly two fucking years before I started getting officer's pay. Uh, for almost two years, I was still getting NCO pay. And I uh, turned in all my paperwork like three or four fucking times to the fucking S shop and never could get that shit fixed. But as soon as I started talking about filing an IG complaint, that shit was fixed within two weeks. Yeah. So and I wasn't I, I wasn't complaining because I mean that was the money I was used to getting, but it was still yeah. just a fucking they, when nuisance. They, when they hook you up with your back pay, it's like hell yeah. Exactly, but at the time I was married to uh, the Wicked Witch of the East, which I for- affectionately call my ex-wife, and uh, <laughs> that fucking went quick. But so, uh, and the last question I have, and I, do, are y'all familiar with uh, Tack Cat? Uh, I don't know if y'all are, but he yeah. says. When will you work with him to create a laser pistol? Laser pistol? Uh, like, uh, are we talking the, um, uh, what is it? The, the Fulton Sh- Or no, the... Sharks uh, with shit. freaking lasers. I mean... Oh, yeah. Man, dude, I, I fucked up an Arnold quote. Like, I spent all day long doing Arnold quotes. Phase plasma rifle yeah, of 40 watt yeah, range. Which, Uzi, which is really ridiculous because 40 watts is not a lot of energy. I mean, it's not. I mean... If you're, if you're, you know, a plasma weapon would be something in the, you know, the megawatts or something. Reality. I knew this was going to be a question for you, Jake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Can I make a laser? Yes. We could definitely make a powerful laser uh, that could, you know, ablate metal no problem. You know, something like a, 
uh, 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 cyanide-based ba uh, 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 excited material laser. And uh, I've made lasers before. Uh, it's, it's not the, the the physics of it is not hard. We actually, you know, it's just that. Um, one of the biggest problems with building a laser is the energy source. We have very powerful lasers, uh, such as uh, free electron lasers. The problem is our energy sources and um, modern technology suck. All right. Um, like, like, yeah, you can get a lot of energy out of a battery. The problem is internal resistance prohibits the battery from discharging the energy fast enough. You have to charge it up to get it. And even then it'd be a short term pulse and it wouldn't be all that great. Uh, we could. I mean, I, I'm not saying I couldn't build the laser gun. Uh, I think the number one problem with that would be funding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the, no, like you laugh, but the thing is, that our only real limitation is time and money. It's like, hey, um, like Jake, we can't wait to get him to come on full time and do more stuff. It's one of these things like and on our channel, we're going to be like NPR with our little begathon of like for Patreon and all that stuff for it. That like, hey. This stuff's cool to look at, but like we have help, to pay help a brother bills. out. Yeah, yeah, like we pay six thousand dollars or so a year in government fees to not go to jail, and of course someone's going to be like bootlicker and whatnot, and then like you know, of course, kiss the cops' ass when they get pulled over um, with it. And so, yeah, we we're just trying to figure out like, hey, how do we do this um, and then pay the bills? A lot of stuff we're starting off with is kind of simple, but we want to move on to some. You know, again, here we go, like NPR being like, we want to do more things uh, with it, but being like, hey, making a Civil War cannon, like, how do you make it where, like, you do a bombard of fortification? Like, we want to actually do that, like, take the, make the cannon and things like that. Like, we've got a Claymore, some Claymores we're working on where we can, um, we got a bunch of um, uh, mannequins that we're going to set up and then demolish them with a Claymore in slow mo. Nice. What, what, 900 frames per second or something, Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we have a we have a rented a camera. We're we're testing out to see if we're gonna buy it or not to enable us to shoot slow mo. Uh, I'd love to be able to get like one of the phantom cameras and shoot you know thousands of frames per second, but we just don't have twenty five thousand dollars laying around for us to just go. Hey, let's buy a new camera. Yeah, I was about um, to say you have to sell a fucking organ. Yeah, you know, maybe a, a brick of cocaine or something, but. Yeah. Uh, that's like the DEA tunes in for like <laughs> the little thing for like meth we were talking about earlier. Now we're now we're gonna get like DEA drones around. But um, exactly. reality, like like my father my father was an engineer and he had a very strong uh, methodology about applying you know figuring out how to solve problems and his, uh, he said it was you know very aptly uh, what can be what was designed by man can be undone by man. So and this is the, I discovered my dad's ability to do this when we were younger because we. We were living out of the country. We couldn't get satellite TV per se from the United States. So my dad's like, yeah, we can hack this. And so via some trial and error, we managed to hack back all old school K-Band with the large satellite dishes where you had to move it around and tune in the satellite, which was great because my father didn't realize there was a lot of satellites with porno on there. It was just amazing, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then again, the Internet, this is when the Internet started up. So that died away because I was like, wait, why do I have to wait for the television and my parents to go to sleep? I can just go on the computer and look at that. But anyway. He, my dad's right. Uh, given enough time and money, you know, I can, you know, reverse engineer just about anything. Um, you know, I, I get no problem admitting when I don't know what is something, what's going on with something. A, a good scientist can always say, I don't know. But the whole idea behind that is I'll figure it out sooner or later. Uh, the only thing is what limits us is time and money. Um, the, the more complex the project, the more time it requires, the more money we got to throw at it. And we've been very good at being frugal and tacked with money, 
and sometimes we've we've gone down a rabbit hole where it was just a waste of money. But yeah, the gun industry is a great way for you to take a whole bunch of money and turn it into a little bit of money for it. But yeah. that's you know that's one of those things you just when you you take take uh, what's the word I'm looking for you take you make your best guess for what's going to happen and we've had a lot of stuff not work. Um, some stuff work and then something else happened that stopped that from working or whatever. So this is our thing. We're hoping to build it where there's the barriers to entry for someone to be able to do what we're going to be doing is pretty high. And we want to make it where, again, where it's something genuine. We're like, every time we make a video, we're not being like, Hey, let's make a bunch of drama and whatnot, or pretend like it's never been done before with a suppressed AK and be like, Oh, I've never seen a suppressed AK before. Yeah, because a lot of our, like, for example, our explosive-based operations, I mean, a lot of this is from years and years and years and years of me experimenting with from something as simple as a blasting cap. Uh, I mean, they seem simple. They're simple enough, but they are. But, you know, it, it's from my experimenting with, you know, the proper compression ratio and de to get the right density for the base explosive, the, the diameter, uh, the right initiation compound. There's a lot of stuff that goes into researching this that on the industry side, you know, the commercial side, they already know this. They make it in large quantities. But the, the layperson, you can go on the Internet and look it up. You're going to find a lot of improvised stuff. But to for, we're able to manufacture a lot of these things on par, if not better, than what uh, commercial applications have. Uh, a great example being blasted caps. Uh, ours have a better... Uh, have a more successful detonation rate than uh, the commercial caps we've bought before. Um, and that's a great testimony testimon to our, our abilities to manufacture what is, you know, almost black magic. I mean, you know, if you ask people about explosives, they'll, they'll usually give you the default answer of like, well, C4 and TNT and dynamite and tannerite. And that's pretty much it. You know, um, if you look at on the oil and gas side, you know, they use explosives, but a lot of those guys, they sort of just either one were brought in because somebody else knew about it and they just sort of brushed them up on it. Or they're just a bunch of rednecks and they're like, yeah, I want to blow some stuff up. Let's do it. Woo! And they really don't know what they're doing. They're, they're literally just sort of, fly, you know, flying by wire on that. Well, one. Or it's like the military where they know what they've been taught. And so you get a lot of folks in the military that, you know, like, like all I know about from the military is like, hey, use lots of explosives. Oh, OK, more, you know, more better or more or more explosive, more better kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, but when you're trying to actually do a technical thing, um, what? Now, again, we're not technical blasters, like going to drop a building or whatever um, in downtown Houston and whatnot. But um, like figuring that stuff out to like, hey, how do we not blow ourselves up kind of thing? Um, that right there could be a uh, where, where, again, we always try to tell folks, like, don't try this at home. Like making that, what's that? The other people uh, make it at home, blow themselves up all the uh uh, the sovereign citizens? No, uh, no, like, for example, uh, a very popular explosive to manufacture uh, for improvised reasons is uh, acetone triperoxide, or TAP, or whatever, TAP is often called. And it's a very easy explosive to make. The problem is, though, is that I'm not a big fan of manufacturing organic peroxide-based explosives, mainly because they're just really unstable. Uh, even the more stable variants of it, just not that stable. They're just not, you know. Um, I've made them before, and there's a reason why I stray away from them. I just don't like them. I'm not trying to lose my fingers. I like having all 10 fingers, and I don't want to change that anytime soon. Um, I'd much rather manufacture uh, explosives that I'm very familiar with in properties that are far more stable and have long-term storage capability. Whereas, you know, your organic peroxides, yeah, they evaporate eventually. They, they start to degrade. 
and but people make them. You see them all the time on YouTube. The, there's a character I don't have ever seen it. Like he lights one off and blows his hand off, and that's a good example of what happens when you don't know if you don't have a respect for the uh, for explosives uh, as a whole. The moment you get lackadaisical is when you start losing digits or your life. Um, but you know, we're both trained professionals. We know what we're doing, and we you know there is a certain amount of risk involved with this that we have to accept. But the whole idea with the, the starting this channel was that. You know, we, you know, we're going to show our successes, but there's also a lot of failures to this and not so much in the fact that, it, you know, it's, it's not an effective explosive or it's not an effective design we made, but rather, yeah, you know, we're human. It's entertaining. Uh, I, I noticed that with a lot of channels that they show both their failures and their successes. It, it's, 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 whereas, you know, it's not like, an, it's not Hollywood glamorized where you see, you know, the, the hero always gets the girl at the end and the world gets saved and whatnot. It's like, no, sometimes we screw up and. You know, it's just part of it. If you guys want to, and if you guys, if you want to see more, we want to hear their input. I want to see what people like to see. Yeah, a lot of the stuff like, um, yeah, we put most of our stuff previously on Facebook, and it was like we put like all the cool stuff. Like, we go out to the ranch, and we were down in what May, and it was hot as shit. It was humid, and we were like spent all this time doing all these things, and like it's funny because like people only think that all we do is go out to the ranch and blow shit up all the time, and it's like, and then the rest of the time we're like lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills, and it's like no. A day out at the ranch, like filming stuff, that's all day long in the sun. And then, like the demolition ranch one, we spent like, oh man, all we were out there for a good ten hours or so, and it was like, wow, that was a cool like ten hours to make five minutes or whatever of yep. uh, footage. And so it's like, no, it's a lot of stuff goes into getting ready for it. Um, and then of course doing ATF paperwork so we don't go to jail. Absolutely. And just like when you were talking about Sean earlier about, you know, most people when their thoughts are in explosives, if they have like little knowledge of it, uh, like perfect example in my mind, especially being like former combat engineer, uh, PL and, and CO and all that is uh, explosive breachers. And I was just talking to a Marine friend of mine last uh, last night about it. When, uh, you know, you don't want to have too much explosives, especially like if you're an explosive breacher, uh, if you're like going after HVT, because he was telling me of a story about like, uh, you know, uh, fucking Corman, you know, who got, you know, trained by the trainer, so to speak, on uh, explosive breaching. And he put a fuck ton uh, of explosives on the door and it shrapneled everybody in that fucking house. Like they, yeah. you know, I mean, had to go send everybody to the fucking uh, field hospital because there was just shrapnel all over him. And, yeah. you know, fuck good as HVT is going to be, you know, if if they're dead, honestly, you know, yeah. that anyway. Uh, yeah, that's but, side of stuff, though, like for us, we know our we know our limitations. And so we always try to make sure that we communicate, hey, look, here's what it is. or Here's what we're good at. And we stick to it. And then being like, hey, here's what we don't know. Like, I don't teach uh, explosive breaching or anything like that. because I don't know anything other than, you know, more explosive, more better or big boom. Yay. Kind of thing so like we like when we deal with police departments like we were always like hey look we're not gonna teach you your breaching program we'll, keep, <laughs> we'll get you the what you tell us what you need and we will acquire it but we're not gonna tell you about how to run a breaching program because again i'm not you know i'm not qualified to teach a breaching program other than hey roll some deck cord in and put it on a uh on a doorknob and blow it off like that's about the limit of my knowledge where uh for it so we try to again stay with within our our knowledge base yeah, I'm not a breacher either. Um, I got friends from the military that are breachers. Uh, I got a buddy of mine that was in the SEAL team. And, you know, he, he knows all about that. A SEAL, bro. Yeah. Oh, bro. Wow, Dropped it. Man. Dropped oh, it. Oh, my God. A SEAL. SEAL 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so many uh, skills. I know. The only reason why he's a friend of mine is because he's, you know, he doesn't bring up the fact that he is a seal until you actually have to ask him about it. First. Is he really uh, then though? Well, yeah. See, yeah. That's, that's the funny part. Is like if you don't brag about being in the seals, are you really a seal team member? Yeah. It's like, like it's like CrossFit. I mean, do you? If yeah, you don't tell yeah. everybody, are you even really in CrossFit? Well, yeah. no. He he's a great guy, and I was. I was like, I, know, and I was like, ask, I was picking his brain about that. He's like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, uh, was it? Uh, he's like, there is a, it is a fine art on breaching. I was like, yeah, that. See, I, that's not a world I was, I was brought up on. So, but you know, if I had to, you know, get some information about that, I would just refer to someone who went, who's been experienced with breaching, and then supply him with what they need. Exactly. Just, you know, you know, uh, was it? Uh, it's. Uh, I, I definitely don't want to overstep my bounds and start claiming like, yeah, I'm an expert in this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got people for that. Unlike the, again, this is where we, I go back to my loathing of the gun industry for it, of like, you get all these people that want to be experts about tactic. I hate the word tactical. Oh my God, that word, like, the, or operator. Like, there's certain key words that are just so overused, um, especially when someone has no idea what they mean. So it's funny listening to all these uh, vet bros or like, people that want to act like vet bros um, and whatnot that never were in the military. And so it's just funny listening to all this, just this stupid shit online of people that just can't like, don't know their limitations and want to like create an imposter about whatever. And it's like, dude, like you don't know anything about anything. Like, why are you talking right now um, for it? And that's again, for us, we want to make sure that when we like, we don't talk out like, I, I can't go talk to someone about AR-15 stuff other than like, hey, how it works. Like someone wants to talk about a gas or piston versus DI, all the advantages. Like I don't really know. Like, I don't have anything smart to say about that other than I prefer a DI. But like there's other people that can talk about specific like gas port diameters. and stuff. Like I honestly just don't care. Doesn't mean uh, again, I was, I was saying that because it's I'm somehow above it all. I just don't care. It's like talking about knitting or something. I just don't again. Don't. Yeah, I mean, fire, don't get me wrong. I love firearms. Uh, I'm more of a precision rifle kind of guy. Um, that's my thing. Uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I have all sorts. I have a whole variety of firearms. But you know, when people really start arguing over the such as, you know, who's he on? Hey, Nick, you there? Yeah, I'm here. You kind of broke up. I had my uh, for some reason uh, my little minder thing said that I had too much social media for the day, <laughs> so it. I think I may have shut you off almost. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I got friends that like, or my personal favorite is when you see on social media, people argue over such, you know, trivial things as, well, my upper and lower forged yeah, by this oh person. My I'm God. Like, it is the same aluminum from the same forge with the same properties, you know, I, I mean. Nine versus 45. Yeah. Oh, no. Or like people squabbling about whose BCG is the best. And it's like, dude, like, Hardly. That's why I get like I like carrying LMT because they make their own shit. A lot of other companies that people are like, oh, it's so great. It's like, dude, they didn't make that. Like, unless unless the box somehow makes it better um, with it. And again, that doesn't mean that someone's part is bad or whatever. It's a quality part. But when I see people doing that, I'm like, no, you don't even know what you're squabbling about. <laughs> it's just, it's funny. Uh, well, it's not even funny. It's just. It's like, what's the point of, uh, of even, like, entering that? It's like these Facebook groups where you just enter and it's just derp about, like, oh, this, you know, th your, this brand totally sucks and, um, you know, and this one's so much better. And it's like, dude, like, okay, that's cool, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever people argue with, get over that, I just really just chime in, bulldoze the whole argument, be like, explosives wins every single time. 
damn straight. You know, and I haven't I haven't had anybody argue uh, against that. So I mean, so far it's been a very effective steam shovel. Awesome. So where can guy where can uh, people reach out to you guys and see what y'all do and know more about your business and keep up with you guys on social media website? What, what all do y'all have? Yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we did a YouTube channel for Wallace TXMGO and it sucked. Like again, I suck at editing stuff, and we tried before. We were gonna launch it again, but we were offering stuff in Spanish, uh, German, and French. We recorded a bunch of stuff, and it sucked, and it like went nowhere because again, I'm not good at that. Um, so we're gonna recock it as um, Ordnance Lab, which was Jake's idea for the name, and um, having it more focused away from TXMGO and keeping it just strictly about firearms and stuff like not going off into anything with politics or whatever and the thing is is it like there's people out like i've got plenty of friends that are liberals or whatever and whatnot if they're into guns like or into weapons or just cool shit like it's like our goal is to offer an appeal to like people that like hey we're not here to pander to your to your political shit or whatever like we're here to talk about cool stuff and have something that exists independent of politics and all the stupid stuff people argue about um so that's going to be what Ordnance Lab is about and just having it where, hey, we've got this stuff. Um, uh, man, ADHD moment there. It's been a long day uh, for it. But having we're like, hey, we got some cool content on there as far as like we don't really sell anything to the general public except for LMT stuff just because other people can do that better than us. And I don't want to compete over stuff and I don't want to, you know, sit there and squabble about it, do Hellcat or P365 and things like that, that um, other other companies can do much better than that. We've got some great partners we work with um, on that, like our gunsmithing. We refer all that stuff over to Weapon Genetics. Um, they, he does most of our gunsmithing work for it. Uh, we stick mostly to what we're good at. So, like, if folk, the main folks that we have as, like, customers is typically guys getting M203s. And we're trying to expand that beyond folks who want conspicuous consumption, the you know 20 inch rims on the Impala kind of thing, to have it with folks that actually, like, hey, here's some more ammunition available for folks who actually like to tinker with things and have that. But are also one of our main or one of our main activities is our import and export. So if folks want to get uh, guns into the country, out of the country, that's one of our specialties. Also, we don't do like. We looked at importing some Turkish shotguns and everything, and it just never really worked out uh, for it because we, again, we don't do mass stuff. We do kind of niche stuff. So we've gotten everything from, uh, we've imported uh, custom, like Glock, uh, what is it, uh, Italian Glock 9x21 millimeter pistols because 9x21 millimeters, a non military caliber. They have Glock fanboys. Um, God bless them for it to me a Glock. I've got like six of them. It's like driving a Honda Accord. I'm like, yeah, it works, but that's it. But there's a diehard group of Glock fans who love niche Glocks. And we've been able to, um, to help them out for it. Again, not my cup of tea, but um, we've had a lot of Glock fanboys that love getting their hands on like a Glock from Australia, the Italian ones I was talking about, these niche Glocks that again, does nothing for me, but um, folks love doing that. Like, we've got that in, bringing a lot of guns for, like, someone's family or whatever. It's kind of funny that um, we're working one right now where um, it's from Germany, and so this uh, this guy's brother passed away, and his widow 
who's in this tiny town in a northern part of Germany um, where one of my best German friends is from. Like, so we got called over to Germany. He was talking in German with it, working all the stuff um, for it. Like, we just do some really niche things like that to bring in this P-38. We're working at bringing it in. So we can do that if folks need guns brought into the country, and we can do that. We can do that both for uh, civilians and for law enforcement. We can also do export of any defense article. Like if we can, we've exported everything from explosives to guns to um, just all kinds of crazy stuff. We were going to Europe for a while. It was pretty funny to to show up at the airport with a two four nine, like. M203s and all these machine guns to go fly overseas because we were doing a thing over there in Europe. And it was like watching TSA be like, what the fuck? And then going, we landed <laughs> in Europe, going up to German customs and talking in German to them and throwing all this paperwork at them. And they were like, okay, yeah, that is okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, good, good. And pretending like they know what they're looking at. Um, so we've had a lot of fun with that. But anyways, uh, to get off, get back on topic, the main things that we engage with customers on is going to be import and export stuff, but also for law enforcement. We do a lot of stuff mostly in the Houston area for agencies where we do it's uh, under a separate trade name of the Macaulay Group for it. Ironically, I have a I love my little smart ass things like and I'm a heat fan. So we made a the Macaulay Group, like the bank robbers in heat for Neil Macaulay. So we made a <laughs> law enforcement supply company called the Macaulay Group named after bank robbers. Uh, for it. Fucking great and movie, so, by the way. Yeah, epic. Well, we're going to be working on some some heat reenactment stuff uh, for it, but Fucking so we a, have a man. separate law enforcement line where we do less lethal. Like we do twenty four hour sales. If you got a police department in the Houston area that um, has something kick off, like we tell folks, like if you have a zombie apocalypse, we've got claymores and grenades for it. That will like we'll sell if you need one for it. Uh, but we keep. Mostly things like 40 millimeter in stock. We keep smoke. We keep CS. A lot of it's where, hey, if you need a thermite grenade at midnight, because just like in Dallas, remember they blew that dude up? Uh, mm-hmm. or if you get someone who's motivated and ready to die, barricaded in a building, like burning them out may be the only option for it uh, as like a last resort, because you're not going to want to take 20 casualties trying to get one dude. And it's like, well, if the PD needs a thermite grenade at midnight, we'll sell the thermite grenade at midnight or whatnot. So we always try to be that that thing that where, hey, if it's crazy, we can do it. And it's just making sure that, hey, it's, you know, um, time and money as being our only limitation. Fucking awesome, guys. Well, that's going to uh, wrap up the interview part of the main segment. If you guys, you guys want to stick around and, and talk about some of the news uh, happening in the firearms and gun community, and then also uh, going to our gear news interviews and the culture segment. Sure. Well, though, trigger warning, our our lack of like vet bro kind of thing may offend some or may disappoint mm-hmm. people. So you want to preface that that like, hey, we may not meet expectations. Yeah, I don't have any of those kind of news stories out here today, so I think you'll be good. Uh, oh, but the bro, f- man. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. Bro. The first story we got is uh, the Virginia Second Amendment sanctuaries are popping up all around the state after liberals and gun control politicians have won the state government over there, and they are threatening to enact sweeping gun control in the state. And uh, actually, my ex-in-laws lived in Virginia 
and actually got a uh, brother-in-law who is a sheriff's deputy in Virginia still. And, uh, you know, Virginia is a very conservative state. It's basically just like the rest of America, the urban populations around like Richmond, uh, Norfolk, uh, the D.C. metro. Uh, those are obviously looking at the map. Those are the only communities in Virginia that aren't uh, either already passed or considering and having hearings on voting and can uh, making themselves Second Amendment sanctuary communities. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on you know Second Amendment sanctuary, uh, either cities, counties, states, whatever it may be? Glorified masturbation. And again, like, like okay, they pass these symbolic things like that. At the end of the day, the feds are going to, if you're doing stuff that uh, is on the feds' naughty list or whatever, like, Again, it's it's great, but it's really not that it's not going to do that much when the feds want to come after you for whatever um, with it. Now, if you get enough, of course, if you get enough uh, counties and whatnot that do it like, hey, great. But it's a lot of it's virtue signaling for it at this point. Now, of course, it gets enough stuff going. Let me make sure I preface that with it. If you get enough folks going, that's going to be different. But like they've had this stuff where what was it Kansas or what state was it where they had like yeah have a the NFA or whatever yep. yeah and then the the feds rolled them up like okay yeah that worked out really well have a great time and federal pound me in the ass prison I think West Virginia tried uh, that too yeah. yeah and again like it's it's good intentions and whatnot but all in all unless it gets a real big movement which it could again I want to make sure that I preface my poopy pants um, with that it could actually be positive. But one thing that I, I I'm going to take an issue or one thing that I think has been one of the worst things we do as gun people is we turn it into a um, left right issue and a cultural thing where like basically all them damn liberals doing that. And yeah, most gun banners typically are. But if we turn it into where like I've got plenty of left wing friends that I've taken shooting and they're like, oh, well. Oh, it's not about being angry and wanting to overthrow the government and crazy shit like, you know, Red Dawn and just all that. Well, documentary Red Dawn, of course, but like all this right wing <laughs> social thing of like, I have to be to be a gun nut or amosexual. I have to be some right wing angry, um, you know, person who's a libtard every five minutes and no or and soy boy um, and stupid shit like that with. With it. It's like, no, it should be for, at least for me, hey, guns should be open to whoever wants to be, like, not an asshole and whatnot. But if you're some transgender dude with, or transgender chick, whatever, um, sick gender, I don't, whatever the crazy shit is that folks for it, <clears throat> and there I go losing my voice, or I'm hitting puberty. But, yeah, I think that, that we shoot ourselves in the foot by turning it into a left right issue instead of being like, hey, pro gun, anti gun. If you want to be, you know, I've, very much a philosophical conservative and whatnot um, with a lot of things compared to where right now we, um, again, make it, you have to be a Republican and basically worship Trump to be into guns, it seems like. It is like, no, we need to find friends wherever we can. And if that means that, hey, if you are a Democrat or whatever, but you're pro-gun, you should be welcome on the team about that. We can squabble about the other stuff later on. Um, and whatnot, but about guns, it needs to be, at least in my opinion for it, about, hey, protecting the Second Amendment, not becoming just where, again, this cultural wedge and, and all this stuff like that, where you have all this baggage that comes with it. Because, again, like my wife is a, um, she's a professor at Rice, or she already become a professor at Rice, and when she talks about what I do, they automatically assume that, or her coworkers automatically assume I'm some sort of raging lunatic or whatnot, 
And instead of like when I meet your coworkers, they're like, oh, so you're not like angry about things or anything. It's like, no, hey, if you want to come shooting for it, I'm not going to try to indoctrinate you in some kind of right wing thing. It's more like, hey, guns stand alone. Hey, you like shooting? Cool. Let's go shoot or go blow shit up. And you're exactly right. And, you know, people were bitching about dicks uh, when they did all their assault, you know, quote unquote, assault weapons, uh, you know, bans and all that kind of shit. But this is exactly right. It's virtue signaling, uh, you know, and it's not federal gun law, uh, gun control that they are, you know, considering themselves sanctuary cities and, and counties on. It's any future state gun control legislation that they're, they're going to pass. And, you know, yeah, that's cool that, you know, county or local police isn't going to enforce it. But if a state trooper, uh, you know, I think it's uh, state police in Virginia, uh, if they, you know, decide to pull you over and you have some sort of illegal firearm towards their gun, you know, gun control legislation that they pass, you are still going to get arrested. You know, that's not yeah. going to fucking stop any state cop because the state is the ones that's going to pass it. But it, yeah. you're exactly right. It's, it's virtue signaling. Same shit like in uh, with all these uh, marijuana legalization. All it's going to take is a federal agent to get a bug up his ass or a politician. And then that shit's going to come down and you're going to have the feds raiding all these dispensaries and everything. Yeah. And, and, and again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that a year from now or whatever, people are like, ha ha, dumbass, told you so. That'd be awesome if I like totally um, missed the, or had this wrong. But again, like looking at it from a practical perspective that like we've seen before where um, – like people will go enforce these illegal or what I view as unconstitutional gun laws. Like police officers will do it. This is not meant as a rant against cops or whatnot, Corey. Uh, but we've seen it in like places where, hey, you know, folks will go enforce these kind of things for it. And um, I don't know. It's 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 a really complex issue for it. I don't think that people can describe. It's just like anything else. When people, all cops are blank. Like no, that's an idiotic statement. Uh, for it but it brings up a lot of questions and it makes it like all these people that wanted to have it like for illegal immigrants like oh our sanctuary city it's, it's like you didn't think that this would boomerang back on you in any way huh imagine that absolutely and continuing on with the virtue signaling uh this is, comes from guns.com and it was uh published on the fourth uh a Republican from Kansas introduced a bill in the House of Representatives that would remove SBRs from the NFA. Now, this is some serious fucking virtue signaling because they had control of uh, the House, the Senate, and the White House for two years, and they did not decide to pass one fucking pro-gun legislation, any anything. And it was, it was all part of the, the 39 D. 0.5 D chess of, of it. It's all the bump stock band. It's all part of the plan. Still wait, still waiting know. to see that fucking plan. Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. It's, up to, it's up to 42 D chess. Oh, it's now. 40. Yeah, 40, 42 dementia um, chess now. Like, yeah, it's just crazy for it and um, seeing that. But again, I mean, it's nice that the Republicans are making noise like that, but it's just throwing it out there for it. Um, to like, oh, hey, look, this shiny object. Yeah, we don't, you know, we, we love you, even though you're never going to actually do anything for it. And again, this is where, like, I get uh, irritated is that when we make, we make our, our destiny with the Republicans, like, we lose that ability to have any sway. Like, if you wrote, I, and I make the mistake of engaging people on Facebook um, for it. It's like, well, who else is going to vote for besides Trump? And it's like, well, I'm going to vote for anyone that's pro-2A, and I'm not going to vote for someone who's anti-2A, no matter if they're a Republican or whoever. And it's like you get people – when you're a – you only vote for pro-2A people or you sit back and vote for third party. 
puppies or no one or vote for my dog um, for president, like that's how you get their attention. Whenever the Republican Party or whoever knows they have your vote, like why do they give a fuck what you say? Because they know you're going to you're cucked and you're going to vote for them regardless of it. And so it's always funny when you see people that are like, moron labia, I'm a three percenter minute man. And then they're like, I have to vote Republican. It's like, no, that's like the exact opposite of being an independent person who, you know, is not a subject or whatever stupid shit they're telling themselves. Especially in the, in the local and state politics, you know, being in the South, there's still a lot of blue dog Democrats who are heavily Second Amendment friendly uh, politicians, but they have the D behind their name. Uh, so yeah, just- and that's where. Again, we. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off, man. Well, I was just gonna say, and that's just where people just get their one-sided mind and think that just because you know they're part of one political party, and like you said, I have liberal friends too that are heavily Second Amendment friendly, and just because you know they might you know agree with 90% of Bernie Sanders' politics doesn't mean that they want to completely throw out the baby with the bathwater and get rid of guns and do door-to-door confiscation. You know, they still heavily believe in the Second Amendment, but it's just other politics that make them you know liberals. Yeah. And that's cool to me, like, just like I was talking about with the army, I have to work with people that we have radical ideas, different ideas about everything kind of thing. But we have a common, we have a common framework to operate within this common culture of shared values of like, Hey, you know what? We can disagree about these things, but I still respect you as an individual. And this is where I get kind of worked up or not worked up, but I just get irritated. People make these petty personal attacks against people. Because it just undermines our narrative. It's just like in the army when they had the debate about females in combat arms. Instead of having like a grown-up discussion of people that know what they're talking about, it descended into misogyny and stupid shit. For it, and I see that all the time. Like the gun, it's all this petty arguments or, or petty insults against people. Instead of being like, "Well, we have the facts. Why are we gonna make a bunch of just virtue signaling and make us feel good?" bunch of emotional shit like are you interested in winning or are you interested in just making a scene and quote-unquote owning the libs which whatever the fuck that is um i see a lot of people it seems like these days want to more like squabble with idiots on the internet and make them cry air quotes thing instead of like well no i want to actually get something done Absolutely. Uh, going on into our next story, and this is just the fucking epitome of stupidiness that I've seen. Uh, this comes from Fox 13 News. A sheriff uh, announced that they arrested one of their own because a school resource officer decided to pawn his duty-issued firearm and decided to bring a pellet gun to work. And this was published two days ago. Uh. Well, depends on how that duty weapon, who owned it. But if it's his private weapon, like, hey, not against the law to be a moron for it. Um, Like, I mean, I can understand him getting fired, but they arrested the guy. Like, uh, unless there's some sort of other law. Like, again, like people want to, people want to, there's nothing against the law about being wrong or being dumb kind of things. So it sounds just overreaction to me. Well, I guarantee you if he was facing charges, it's probably because it belonged to the sheriff's office themselves, and he had yeah. no right whatsoever to get rid of that whatsoever. So uh, it's just – I want to know what he bought with it. Like what did he pawn this shit? Like what did he buy? He better like, – buy drugs or something? Like, that's like crackhead shit. Well, I mean well, a, a high-competition high air rifle is pretty expensive, man. <laughs> 
Well, if you could see this guy picture, uh, like I said, Fox 13, look this up. Uh, he probably bought some eyebrow waxing kit because his eyebrows are on fucking fleek. It looks like he had his girl working on him. You could tell that he had to uh, fucking tame those bad boys because they are like two caterpillars hovering above his eyebrows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, hey, our, our other business partner, Alex, he has, to, he has those, what's those things called? Um, oh, kids. Uh, for it. He couldn't make it, but his wife is really good with Mary Kay, so we have hookups. If, if you're listening, Sheriff Guy, you know we can help you with – well, I can't, but Alex's wife can help you with the eyebrows. Yeah, I, I'll pass on that. But uh, going into the next story, uh, this is, comes from the Firearm Blog. This was posted uh, earlier today. Uh, Freedom's Munitions and Extreme Bullets are now under new ownership. Uh, a lot of people know Freedom Munitions because yep. they <laughs> – Yep. Yep. Uh, they yeah, came out. Go ahead. Oh, I don't like things happen in the regular gun world. And I just live like we just live in our own little world. So I often like have no idea what the hell it's happening. I walked into that store over in, in northwest Houston area and I walked right out. OK, I have no idea like what's going on here. So, yeah, they filed for bankruptcy in uh, 2018 and they are under new ownership and they're coming back and they are full swing of production and resale of ammunition. Uh, I personally like Freedom Ammunitions. They had some pretty good sales, uh, especially when I was starting to just starting get into USPSA shooting and uh, was looking, you know, looking at different, you know, grains and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I'm, I reload, but I'm not great at reloading. Uh, so you know, if I'm going to go to like a, a bigger match instead of like just a local match, I like to order my ammunitions. So that way, you know, I'm making sure that I'm not having like a, a dump, you know, a dud going off or any other kind of shit like that. So, uh, you know, I think Freedom Munitions was a good company, but obviously, you know, they couldn't get their shit together and they had to file for bankruptcy and, but now they're coming back. So it'll be interesting to see how they do, you know, how they go into it and if they can regain customers trust again. Okay. I know nothing about them. So I got nothing to say on that. They, 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 uh, they were, uh, ammunition remanufacturing company. They would, uh, okay. they would buy a brass and then, uh, reload it and then sell it. Um, exactly. Well, they had a vet broy like image that was getting a little out of hand. Um, uh, was it? And then the, what it was? They were, they lost compatibility or their competitiveness in selling ammunition to others. Is why. Yep. Well, and they really uh, got big during the ammunition scare. You know, that's like kind of yeah. when they first started coming out, and then all of a sudden, when ammunition started becoming plentiful again, uh, that's when people started just going back and buying like the the Winchester white boxes and shit like that at the the Walmart stores. So, uh, we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah. And the next story also comes from the Fire and Blog. And I know you guys said you were not huge into uh, guns and stuff, but Glock is saying that they got something big. Something, their oh, actual words is something legendary is coming. Experience it live, 12 10 of 19 in two days. So when this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's going to be a red one. Did they change the font on the slide? Yeah. And again, well, I, 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 I make fun of that not because I hate Glock or whatever. I again, it's like buying a Honda Accord. It's like Honda Honda's gonna make a new Accord with a sunroof. God, I mean, yeah, I like Glock. It's one of my favorite 10 millimeters in Glock. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like a Toyota Tercel. It's functional. It's it's simplistic. It's not pretty, but it works. And you can only paint it so many different ways before it's you know, the same item. Well, like my thing is, you know, when I first got into law enforcement, that's all we had was a Glock. And uh, that's what I got my farms instructor certification on was using Glock. So I have well over 100,000 rounds, you know, using Glock. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, now we're issued uh, SIG 320s. And right. person, personally, with my, you know, I'm 6'5", and I have, like, fucking, you know, gorilla hands as hands. So Smith & Wesson M&Ps, the ergonomics, honestly feel the best for my hand when I'm shooting. But I could pick up any Glock, and I can hit it like a pie plate at 100 yards. I've done it numerous times. Uh, you know, so just just because everything's the exact same. Just like you said, every, it's a Honda Accord. The grip is the exact same angle on every single Glock that you, that you pick up. You know, whether it's a 9 or a 40 or a 10 or whatever. You know, it's all the same. Uh, so... And some of the the I, I don't know if it's well, some people that say, well, I got a friend that works at Glock and they say it's going to be a 22 long rifle uh, Glock pistol that they're coming out with, which I think will be fucking awesome. So that way I could start picking up a Glock and start shooting cheaper at the range and start picking up, you know, practicing, you know, cheaper instead of having to buy. Well, like a, let me interrupt you. If you're looking for a 22 kit, tactical solutions is the way to go, man. I had a Gen 1 that. From like 10 years ago that quit working they replaced it uh last month for free so i'll give a shout out to a company that actually deserves it if you're looking for a glock 22 conversion kit tactical solutions is the way to go uh, yeah and i have sorry seen to interrupt the, you on that i had i had to give them a shout out for hooking me up like that absolutely and uh you know i understand that they do make the uh con the conversions and some other companies i think there is already a company that has like a glock clone that is in 22 long rifle uh, but this is actually going to be coming from Glock and, you know, fucking Glock has their fanboys, just like you said earlier, you know, importing those funky calibers from overseas. Uh, so it, you know, no matter what the fuck Glock's going to come out, they're obviously going to have their fanboys that are going to get it. And even if it's a 22 long rifle, uh, you know, my son, I got a, a nine year old son and he, he's just now starting to get into the shooting and he's shooting 22 long rifle and he's shooting a, uh, Smith and Wesson M uh, M and P 22 compact. Uh, and that's like his favorite gun right now. And we're building a 22 long, uh, a 22 AR-15 together. Uh, so that way he can have his own AR-15 whenever we go to the range. Uh, but if they do come out with this, you know, this will be something I'll get for myself and probably get something to get for him. So that way he could do it. But also something else I've heard, and this is interesting because I actually shared a meme about it, is that uh, they may be coming out with the new pistol caliber carbine. And that would be something – that would be real Glock innovation because, like you said, you know, the only thing they've come out with is, you know, different size shit and maybe front forward serrations, uh, bring in the uh, grip finger grooves, take out the grip finger grooves, all that kind of bullshit. Oh, well, I want them to make a um, an Austrian clone of a Mansfield Glock. <laughs> like, that's what – that's what I'll be impressed for it when they got that right there. And um, then I can have a, a real Glock, Glock Fody. A real Glock 40. Yeah, we um, we made sure to have our auto sears. Again, this is uh, my juvenile sense of humor. Our auto sears for our Glocks are uh, Glock 40 as the model number. So people are like, I got a Glock 40. I'm like, no, no, I got a Glock 40. Absolutely. All right. And the next and final news of the uh, gun community that I'm going to be covering is Mateba Firearms is scheduled to make a comeback in the USA in 2020. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with what a Mateba is, it's basically kind of like the original Rhino revolver. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And they are going to be importing some 44 Magnums and some 357s. 
they're only going to be importing a certain amount. Uh, I think I've heard uh, on another content creator that they're going to be only importing around uh, two to three thousand uh, of these inside the United States. Uh, so they're going to have a hefty ass price tag if they're only bringing in that many. Uh, but still, if you are a collector, which I like to think of myself as a collector, I have some, especially being a history nerd, you know, having a history undergrad myself, I have like an old World War One Steyr M7, uh, M1912. Oh, cool. So I love, you know, odd guns and historical guns. Uh, but do I think I'm going to drop probably, this is going to go for probably around fucking two to three grand. Nah, probably not. Hey, at least you're not buying a uh, a German clone of a Turkish pistol. It's a CNR eligible design uh, <laughs> with that. For it. I love trolling the HK guys with my uh, my Zenith, which is of equal quality to um, to Teutonic Space Magic. So at least you're not that paying twenty eight hundred bucks for a seventeen hundred dollar gun. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love you know I've laid down some serious cash on my firearms, but you know when I'm putting you know two grand, three grand, it's going into a precision rifle. Into a pistol, oh man! Like I have a friend of mine, he has a Nighthawk Custom, and he, he poured like five grand into that. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> That's a lot of money, and it's an accurate pistol. But you know, at the end of the day, it's you know, pistols, you know, their accuracy will never rival that of a rifle. And I'm like, you know, for five grand, I got myself a you know a new six millimeter. Yeah, like, I, so I'm like you though. I like I have a fetish for uh, British wheel guns, uh, break top ones. Yes. I've got a bunch of Webleys and stuff. Like, I've just hit this point of like gun nuttery where like you just like we're making bombs and such, and it's like I have all these machine guns. I'd rather go shoot my Webley, and like go. We find some cool. I imported some cool guns from overseas. Like we got this cool um, Danish shotgun that has a, a moving bolt on the, an external bolt that like is just a neat old gun that like I love to go shoot and I love the the, the neatness of it versus the like like our machine gun. We never even shoot our machine guns hardly. Yeah, I, I mean I love I love Mauser rifles. Uh, I love the story of the, the Mauser brothers, and you know those rifles. You know, you, I love going into uh, into you know your local gun store and seeing a bunch of them on there. I'm like, yeah, they still work. They're they're still very reliable. And some of these, you know, two world got, wars. Oh wait, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Wrong wrong magical amazing yeah. pistol. Yeah, weapon. But uh, you know, I, I have several, and you know, I, I have some high end dollar rifles, and you know, but at the end of the day, I love shooting an eight millimeter Mauser. And people were like, what? Seriously? I'm like, yeah, it's a six hundred dollar rifle. It does great. Um, I wouldn't, but if I had two grand and I it was just floating around, like, yeah, I, you know, I definitely would uh, get behind getting a Mateva. I mean, if I had two grand, you know, just burn away like that. Absolutely. I think that'd be just cooler than, than, a, like a Chiappa Rhino or something like that, because that's kind of like the OG of, of that, uh, that design, but, uh, it's definitely unique. Yeah. It looks like something out of the, it looks like the weapon from uh, blade runner. Uh, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I, I, when I, when I first saw that weapon, you know, uh, was it Sean doesn't play a lot of video games. I play a lot of video games, and I'm a big fan of the Fallout series. I've been playing it ever since Fallout One when my brother bought it, and I was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "Wow, this is this is addicting." And then the uh, and the New Vegas variant, uh, there's that that gun, and it's that gun from the, uh, from uh, from uh, Blade Runner, and, I, and that, that the Matable looks very much like that. And I was like, "Ooh, it does look like a weapon I can buy, but I just don't have two thousand dollars right now." <laughs> Exactly. Thing. And he pressed the button and just goes. What's 
the only thing that survives nuclear war. Everyone say it on five. One, two, three, four. Five. Cockroaches! So the cockroaches are really small, but after millions of years, they start getting bigger. Then one day, they start losing their fucking shell, shells and losing their fucking antennas. And then they fucking brains get so big, they understand these really scary concepts. All right, let's go ahead and start getting into our gear news interviews. Uh, there is actually some gear reviews that I have. Uh, I purchased some. I, I'm a big jeans guy. You know, you see a lot of fucking gun guys wear like range pants, like 5'11 range pants all the fucking time. Oh, God. 5'11. Pants with the like um, army issue Oakleys, and they got the um, the either uh, grunt style or nine line with some sort of babble about whatever and more on labia uh, for it. Although now they're starting to infect that Star Wars thing, they're taking that away. Like yes, yeah. the Mandalorian. Yes, oh my God, that's <laughs> love like, the show, but they just oh, oh, man cancer. So, anyway, you know, sorry, to, sorry, to, no, sorry. It's it's like, good. Hatred it's of that good. hijack your your thing. It's good. Uh, so, but I mean, I also I love jeans, but I hate like the stiffness of jeans and yeah, yes. uh, bending down and like busting the crotch out and shit. Like especially some good Jake worn out jeans. jeans. By the way, though, the Navy left him with a love for that. So, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, it, it contours my you know well shaped butt. So, uh, well, just, you know, of all the things you could say, of all the things you said it could have contoured, I fit, thought you'd have said something else. Oh uh, well, you know, I mean. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I drive a small car because I have to overcompensate for that. You know? I got gotcha. you. But uh, I bought some uh, – I actually did a review on some Condor, their tactical jeans, which is obviously cheaper than like the 511 tactical jeans that they came out with SHOT Show a couple years ago. Uh, the Condor ones were like 40 bucks, and you know, of course people think Condor, but I was like, you know, fucking $40. I saw them on Amazon. I was going to try them out. Did a review a couple weeks ago on it. And uh, uh, another company that I purchased a lot of shit from, LA Police Gear, uh, is a website. And they came, yeah, out with, them. Yeah. came out with their own version of their kind of tactical pants. And I got those in actually surprisingly fast because uh, when I uh, reviewed the Condor, I said I was ordering some. And they use FedEx, and they are fucking entirely way too slow. Normally when I purchase it from them, it takes like three weeks to get it in. But I actually got these in within a week. Uh, so I actually been wearing them uh, all week, you know, kind of off and on. And I got to say, I, I like them a lot. They're not as stretchy as like the Condor ones, but they still a good bit of stretch. So it's not like stiff, like uh, normal blue jeans are like, you know, Carhartts or Levi's, whatever the fuck you have. Um, and then they also Carhartt's still have. Yeah, they also have the uh, extra pockets uh, right above the, the front and uh, rear pockets. And then something that I like about it is that on the, the back end, the little belt loop is actually a, uh, like a really fucking wide belt loop. Uh, so it kind of keeps your belt from, you know, fucking sagging, sagging and ripping belt loops uh, because I always hang shit on my belt loops and or my belt. And, you know, it could easily, you know, I go through belt loops on like regular jeans all the time. Uh, and so, and also they're, you know, kind of stylish. I gotta say, you know, I'm not a huge fan of just like getting like the regular Levi looking jeans. I like the dark blue jeans just cause that's the way I like my shit to look. Uh, and that's what, you know, the color they offered and they're only, uh, $30 and I got them on a black Friday sale. So I actually got them for like just a little over $20, uh, with free shipping. It was a really good deal, and I'm definitely going to buy some more just because, you know, with the Christmas season rolling around, they're still having like 15% off sale on their shit. So definitely go check them out. Uh, another thing, kind of go along with those. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Go ahead. What makes some tactical pants? This is my like dose of snark about like what makes some tactical. Like what? What's like what's a tactical pant? Like is there basically, something special about it that makes it more tactical? Basically, basically they're. 
stretchier than regular jeans. So you can, you know, bend down to pick up shit. Uh, sometimes, you know, for example, I got like a little home gym here in my podcast room. Uh, so if I just get like a bug up my ass and like, I want to work out, but like, I don't want to change into like fucking shorts. Uh, you know, I can hit the rowing machine in these jeans without having to worry about, uh, you know, you know, not having any kind of decrease of range of mobility in them. Uh, you know, or if you're like on the range or something like that and you don't want to look like tactical Timmy with your fucking 511 range pants, uh, you, a little bit more mobility. And mainly the big thing is those like fucking two extra pockets, uh, on the front and the back above that you can fit like a full size AR-15 mag in them. That's the, that's the main difference. Okay. That they, Again, like I refuse to wear anything that has tactical on it unless I have to go, unless I'm getting paid by the army to do it. Uh, that's just my, like my, my own neuroticism of just like being like, ah, uh, this, this. The, the vet bro stuff just kills me. So it's funny when you just see like you go to shot show and everyone's quote unquote service dog with their like tactical shit. It's just so funny. I, I love people watching, but sorry again, ADHD and a very long day. Um, <laughs> off topic. No problem, man. Uh, the next thing that I reviewed, and I actually had this for a couple years now, and uh, it is a belt from storm rider gear. Uh, I personally like this belt because uh, wearing a duty belt for as long as I had, uh, the fucking Velcro always wears out on shit, and then you always got to have to get a new one. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of like Velcro when you're having like low profile or no belt buckles. Uh, so actually, they offer a belt called, and because it's Storm Rider gear and kind of Viking shit, uh, this belt is called, and forgive my fucking pronunciation of this, it's uh, Mjolnir, the fucking hammer that Thor wields. Uh, yeah. Yes. So that's what this belt is called. Uh, and basically it looks almost kind of like, you know, you've seen uh, fucking the Vikings on the History Channel. They have that kind of lash thing that fucking goes through. Uh, it goes through two D-rings uh, and it's a lash and then you can hook it around the belt. And you kind of got like kind of like back in the day, like, you know, in the fucking 90s when you had kids uh, kind of have an extra large belt. And they had just like a little bit of the belt kind of swinging down a little bit. That's what this belt kind of looks like. But you don't have to have that shit swinging. You can tuck it in your belt or, or pants or whatever the fuck. Uh, and it's only $50. Uh, so it's and it's a really decent belt. It's stiff. Uh, it's not a two-inch belt. It's not a full uh, two-inch belt. Uh, I'd say it's about like an inch and a quarter. Uh, but something about this, like I said, I ordered it two years ago. So I've had this belt for a really long time. And I decided it would be a good time to review it with the pants. Uh, is that they ask because they, uh, they fucking custom make the order. So you got to give them your measurements and uh, they measure it in inches and you have to, I mean, I fucking measured it. And when I got it in, it was the exact fucking size. So if I lose like any kind of weight, like this fucking belt is going to be too big. So if you decided to order from them and it's only $50, uh, the lead time is anywhere between eight to 12 weeks. And I got mine exactly right at 12 weeks. Uh, so if you order this, you might want to fucking shave off a few inches on your measurement, because if you, you know, have any kind of fluctuation of weight where you lose any weight, then your belt's kind of fucking useless. Unfortunately, one of the, unfortunately, I've always managed to maintain my weight, but yeah, I feel you, man. I, I, I work in Christ. Hang on, hang on, Jake. You got to tell me how they didn't believe that you're 36. He bought beer at Bucky's and they carded him and thought he had a fake ID. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I, I, it looks I like he's about 12. Yeah. I look like I'm 12 in most of my photos and you know, I, 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 you know, I'm blessed with this awesome genetics where I don't age, but, you know, fortunately I don't gain weight easily either. And, you know, uh, I work in crime scenes, so I go through belts like crazy. Uh, and I'm in that same issue right now. I've already worn out belt number two and, so, you know, and I'm like, dang, I need another one already. So I, I'm always on the lookout for a good belt. 
Well, and they also have some great belts uh, that have some molly on it. So if you want to use it for pistol competition or range belts or anything like that, uh, they have some really great belts uh, that also have you know the option of doing uh, Velcro inner on the outer belt and Velcro uh, outer the hook and loop on the uh, inner belt. So it has you know some better sticking power on that. Uh, but you know it's, it's some pretty good belts. Uh, I really enjoyed mine. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've, I, I, one thing I hate about belts, especially when you start hanging on stuff, is that they start to warp, and then when you put them on without any weight on it, they just, you know, they look like a zigzag. Because, um, uh, like, you know, I, I hang a lot of stuff on mine from, you know, camera equipment, you know, CSI stuff and whatnot. And at the end of the day, it's like, ah, this belt's ruined. And yeah, this one, you, this one, you definitely wouldn't have that problem. Uh, you know, and normally I hate stiff belts because you know, wearing like 40 to 50 pounds around my duty belt for, you know, over a decade now, uh, you know, start fucking having hip issues. So I don't like a real stiff belt, but this one doesn't bother me that bad. So I don't know if it's because it's not like the two inch Sam Brown belt. Uh, it's just like, you know, maybe inch, inch and a quarter that it doesn't bother me. But yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't have that problem with this one, but it's definitely stiff enough that where uh, before Neomag came out, I was carrying like an extra magazine on my on my belt. I was carrying my uh, fucking everyday carry gun. Uh, and then I started carrying tourniquet and all that kind of shit. So, you know, it, it's held up plenty for my normal civilian EDC. And I actually wore this when I was a plain clothes investigator. Uh, I wore this uh, at work and uh, it held up to everything when I started adding, uh, you know, handcuffs. And then, you know, the radio uh, every time, you know, when I was out and about. Yeah, you would call it. That's one thing, my buddy of mine, he's on patrol. He's like, I swear every year there's one more item to put on the belt. Exactly. Exactly, and it fucking sucks. Oh yeah, no, I I, I I feel sorry for that guy. He's like, you know, he's like, man, I can't, I need to move over to a plain clothes uh, division. Yep, and that was the the greatest thing, honestly. I loved. Uh, next thing is not a review, but is news on gear coming out, and we kind of briefly talked about this before we started going into uh, the recording. Is AR five hundred armor introduces a, and they call it a ma, I don't know if it's called. Yeah, I guess it's malicious steel ballistic helmet. And if you haven't seen this thing, it is fucking ridiculous. Uh, it looks like a old K-pot where they cut out the ears. Honestly, uh, it's a steel helmet. Uh, it's got really high cut around the ears, like so fucking high that in the little promo video, like you can almost see this fucking guy's top of his noggin because I don't know if it's the suspension inside the helmet. You know, they decided to not give him a, a big enough helmet. You know, they got a big head motherfucker for his marketing video, uh, but it looks retarded. Uh, I, I wonder about the, you know, the cushioning on it. You know, you really don't see a whole lot on it in the promo video and in the, uh, the pictures, the promo pictures that they have. Uh, but, you know, I guess it's a niche because you're going to have those people that just aren't able to spend, you know, fucking even like $300 for those cheapo ballistic helmets that are level three that you see, like I'm used to see on Facebook ads. Uh, yeah. Wish. Exactly. Uh, they don't have a uh, MSRP on this article that I'm reading, but I'm probably sure it's going to come in. I don't know. I'd probably say anywhere between like the 50 to $80 range because, you know, they're AR 500 steel plates. You know, they're running around 50 to 80 bucks for just one plate. So, you know, this isn't nearly as much steel going into it. I bet you this motherfucker weighs heavy, too. I, yeah, no, I, I mean, steel is not light. Uh, there's a reason why we went away from steel helmets. Yeah, and I remember wearing my Kevlar, and that shit was starting to wear on my neck. And, like, yeah. you know, because oh, it was heavy enough as it is. I couldn't imagine having a fucking, you know, steel because it's 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 level two because in the article it says it stops a 45 ACP. 
Um, so. Oh shit! It's up to forty-five ACP. That wow! It's basically like a tank armor. That. Exactly. Because uh, I mean, Kevlar does exactly what it's designed to do, and that's disperse the energy over the entire helmet, and it's light, and um, you know, it does two things that we need. Steel does a good job of dispersing energy. The problem is though, is that um, it, you're going to get a horrible spalling issue with the rounds going off on your helmet. But also too is that a, a lot of people fail to realize that the, the, the physics goes into play. You know that you know that projectile is traveling at several hundred to several thousand meters per second, and when it hits your head, that change in momentum. Your head now is part of the is, is taking that momentum. So exactly, yeah, it's not going through your skull, but now your head is like, oh crap. Well, we got to conserve momentum. Physics is a is a killer like that. So your head is not going to be traveling hundreds of meters a second, but you're still going to have some major damage. So yeah, the bullet stops, but I mean. I, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rush out and buy it. But a lot of stuff, and again, I don't know a lot about body armor. You know, I know like, hey, put Sappy in, go. There's folks like uh, Gary Hughes with from with Dead Air who I've talked with about body armor, who like knows so much about it. It's really neat to talk to people who really know their stuff about body armor. But like, you get these folks that want this body armor to take like a 50 caliber to the head, and it's like, no, it's not designed for like direct fire. It's simply designed for. Um, you know, fragmentation or spalding or whatever. And it's funny listening to people squab who don't know what they're talking about, um, squabbling about stuff. It's a blind squabbling with a blind about it. And it's just really funny watching on Facebook all the squabbling going on about that. And I take that back. I'm looking at another article, and y'all, this motherfucker is $300 MSRP. Yeah, no. You may as well go to the pawn shop at Fort Hood and you'll be able to pick up exactly. a, a Kevlar for that much. Exactly. You know some fucking private is going to fucking pawn that shit. Hey, 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 remember, there's only one thief in the army. Everyone else is getting their shit back. Exactly. Exactly. Look on eBay. Uh, there's idiots always on eBay selling off their stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's still a control item, but whatever, I'll buy it. I love it because uh, I'm near Fort Benning and uh, you see these motherfuckers pawning shit or, you know, selling shit on uh, Facebook Marketplace. And uh, I'll never forget one time somebody was selling some NVGs and you they were oh. clearly, clearly <laughs> army issued NVGs. And I was like, this motherfucker needs to put this down before a CID gets a screenshot oh. of this some bitch. Oh, that's that's good stuff. Uh. Yeah. It, was either, it was either that or hopefully that was some shit he found on the range, but you know that poor fucking company that lost it originally is still out there in the cold trying to yeah. look for that something. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I do not miss that aspect of active duty. <laughs> I do not miss that at all. I look like Brad Pitt mixed with a bit of Jake Gyllenhaal and a bowl of David Hasselhoff. I wouldn't be here at all. I'd be in Los Angeles or at your mom's house eating all the sandwiches. Damn, I love in the city sounds like it takes place on stage while voting in Kiwa. Marvin Gaye sings sex in the city probably feels really really nice with hands placed on faces twinkles in their eyes sex in the city all right let's go on and start getting into our culture segment in our culture segment we uh discuss a movie that is heavily you know gun saturated and because of the humor and some of the memes uh, that has been shared this week, I decided to go with Naked Gun 2.5. And, and this is actually available on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, which damn near everybody does, uh, you know, a lot of people get it for the free two-day shipping. But you also can watch a whole bunch of fucking movies on it. Uh, and this is on Amazon Prime. So uh, Naked Gun 2.5, which is, I, I mean, it was honestly 
Besides, well, hell, Porky's wasn't even a spoof movie, but this is kind of like one of the original spoof movies out there. Uh, one of my favorites. It was awesome and amazing. I remember watching this as a kid and just laughing. Probably didn't get some of the more adult jokes, but my fucking dad let me watch it, and it was still funny as shit. But I, I, it, I, I remember watching it with my dad. Well, the entire series, I was like, yes, this right here is, is amazing. Yes, and it had O.J. Simpson in it, in which you know I still realize in a young age after O.J. killed his wife, which he fucking did kill his wife and her lover. Allegedly, uh, allegedly. Uh, no, he's, no he's alleged for the real killers on the golf course, man. Oh my God, there's no fucking way he killed them, motherfucker. I'm just gonna say after looking at that case file uh, in training after the fact and looking at all the shit that they did, there's no fucking way he did not kill that woman and that man. Anyway, uh, that did not age well. But there is a lot of guns in this, a lot of uh, revolvers, uh, because early 90s, it came out in 94. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, it came out in 93. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah that was a good year. So, uh, why, are you that young that you were born there, Jake? Were you born in... No, uh, I was born in 82. Right, I was about to say, yeah, because you said you were 36. Uh, but you had the the Smith & Wesson Model 36, which is a little snub nose, 38 special that the detective shot. You had a Smith & Wesson Model 19 snub nose, uh, which had a little bit more ergonomic handle. You had a Smith & Wesson Model 10, which is the basically the longer version, uh, 38 special. Uh, some, exactly. Well, and this is something that I really enjoyed because I love these series of guns. These are actually very underplayed in my mind as the Smith & Wesson 5906. And this is actually the gun OJ carried. I wonder if this is the gun that OJ carried that night. No, because he stabbed them all. That's right. Yeah. But uh, you also had a Walther PPKS, uh, which is what the uh, bad guy Roger Goulet had. Uh, you also had an old That's Smith, right. and you also had an old single action uh, army Colt in there. And then of course you had a, a flintlock pistol and rifle uh, when they had that big firing scene there, where they had the the frontiersman. Yeah. This is a little interesting. They had a uh, henchman carrying a Spectre M4 pistol. Not technically a submachine gun because it doesn't have a folding stock, uh, but looks kind of like a, a submachine gun. And then, Oh, yeah, that's right. I, 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 go I ahead. Remember that. Yeah. No, I remember a lot of these scenes, yeah. I mean, I, I watched the movie. The last time I saw this movie was six years ago, but I remember the movie pretty vividly. Yeah, and uh, if you go, all of our sources getting from uh, imfdb.org. So if you want to go to uh, check out that to see all the guns that are in this and actually have, you start going down that rabbit hole, man, you'll wake up like two hours later and be <laughs> like, whoa, shit. Exactly, uh, and then you had uh, some rifles in there. Of course, you had an M16A1, Remington 700. Uh, you had a uh, Mossberg 590 shotgun, but then you also had the old uh, Cobra Street Sweeper in there. And a Remington 870 police folder. Yeah, that street sweeper, it's funny. We've got one of them um, uh, or someone, and like that thing is such a piece of shit. It looks so cool, and you get it, and you're like, wow, the best thing that ever happened to this is the ATF to say that it's NFA because people want it now just because of that. Otherwise, it would just be an obscure, shitty shotgun. Exactly. Uh, but also, something they had in there was actually a uh, Bofors 40 millimeter anti aircraft gun. No, no shit. Yes. 
good old Swedish weaponry right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is the highlights of the guns in that movie. Like I said, go check it out. It is on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, Sean, uh, Jake, I greatly appreciate y'all on tonight's episode. Uh, I really appreciate y'all's insight into the world of ordnance and explosives uh, and cannot wait to see what y'all come out with on your YouTube channel. Yeah, great. We'll have it up pretty soon for it. Like I said, we're going to have content in um, English, German, um, Spanish, and French. So it's going to be something, again, we're trying to make sure that it, we stick to just being something interesting for it and hopefully um, expanding it for like in other countries and whatnot where, hey, they don't really get to see anything in their own language. Because it's kind of funny. We've sat there and realized that we've got, like I speak German, Jake speaks Spanish, we got a friend who speaks French, and it's like, why are we not doing content in this? We're idiots to not be doing that. I thought about doing it in Latin, but I forgot, no, there's only one place that's speaking that right now. And it's full of pedophiles. Yeah, exactly. So if we were doing like a little kitty video, I guess we'd be Latin, <laughs> but other than that, we're or not into that kind of thing. Or maybe Esperanto, that might be yeah. interesting, just for the niche. So, Absolutely. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for having us on. We can do a follow-up sometime if you want to, but hopefully if uh, we'll check out, we're still a bit of ways, but we'll check out the comments and whatnot that are on the on y'all on your page and uh, respond to that and see what folks want to see for blowing shit up and whatnot. And I'm sure there's gonna be some questions about explosives and all that good stuff. We'll try to answer them. Absolutely. And I go back to Texas at least once a year, so I would love to swing by y'all's guys' place and uh, blow some shit up with you guys. Okay, cool, man. We'll have to figure something out. Awesome. Take it easy. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Vince shall never grow older up, but nothing's wrong with a little more fun, huh? I wish that we would frolic in the sun Or stare at all the stars So Beatles playing I won't drink you miss I promise But lately I've been feeling janky Strangely so off topic How could she ever love me? All she wants to do is party And I got to let her know That I gotta let her go In this fast life All I'm trying to do is live it slow But she just wants to party and bullshit And get fucked up and do drugs That she says she never does She just wants to party and bullshit and well, everyone, that is another episode of the 2A Lifestyle Down the Tube. I greatly appreciate y'all listening to this episode, and I greatly appreciate Texas gun, Machine Gun and Ordnance for a great, great fucking interview and commentary on the stories tonight that we covered and on the cultural segment and on the news, uh, gear news interviews. And I, you know, go, y'all go fucking check them out. I'm sure their fucking YouTube channel they're going to be starting is going to be fucking awesome. I love to see shit get blown up. That was one of my favorite fucking things the army so i'm sure that you're gonna enjoy this shit too like i said what is fucking more american than apple pie and baseball than blowing shit the fuck up that's what our founding fathers did so go ahead and check them out on social media check out their website check out their youtube channel when they get it fucking up and running and i want to greatly appreciate y'all for listening if wherever you're listening to this go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that we can keep up with all the new episodes of the 2a lifestyle that's coming out go ahead and leave us a review if you can because that is the best way for people to look for gun related content to find us wherever you're listening to podcasts go ahead and check out our social media on facebook we are under the number 2a lifestyle and on instagram 2 is spelled out t-w-o-a lifestyle and also check out our patreon if you want to support this podcast support the great shit we're doing uh, support the shit that we are trying to do in the future. 2020 is, I believe, is going to be an amazing fucking year for this podcast and for 2A Lifestyle. We're going to be putting out some awesome fucking content. We're going to be starting a YouTube channel ourselves. 
I'm going to be putting out some awesome, hilarious fucking shit out there. Look very much forward to it and look very much forward to delivering that to you guys. So go ahead and check us out there on Patreon. Go ahead. Give us a fucking dollar a month. I mean, how much is a dollar a month to you? I mean, you could fucking just throw that shit away. Instead of throwing it away, you lose that shit in the couch cushion and send it to us. Uh, so go ahead and stay tuned for that. And greatly appreciate you. Wait until another two weeks. We're going to have another awesome episode. Hopefully we'll have uh, some more amazing guests. If not, I will be bringing you the news of the firearms community and the gun community to you. And until then, I will see y'all in two my weeks. Twenty-six. I want my dog to fucking talk and tell me that she's very, very proud of me and that I worked very, very hard. No, I just want a dog. I just want a dog. I just want a dog. 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 No, I just want a dog. I just want a dog. I just want a dog. Dog. Dog, and I want my dog to be in films. And my son would also star in them. And I would just direct and I'd produce. My wife would have a lot to do.